This week on Out Now with Internet, we are talking a haunting in Venice. I have my magnifying glass and my mustache comb. Went to the fortune teller, had my fortune read. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! How are you, Aaron? You know what? I'm doing pretty well. You know why? Why? I am on vacation. Capital V vacation? Capital V, yeah. You could could insert some air horns and maybe a slide whistle. I think the last time that you were officially on vacation was like 10 years ago. (laughs) But I mean, it's been a while since I've been on vacation. (laughs) You know... I feel like whenever I'm on your show, I'm on vacation. Oh, look at that. Look, look at that. that. Thank so, you. Oh, man. If, if, a... if only for two hours. I'm going to this... go put on a luau shirt, luau shirt and, you know, just put on some tunes. If this was like an Instagram live show, there'd be a lot of hearts popping up on the thing right now. <laughs> <laughs> Half of them would be for me. Uh, well, thank you for hearing that get unnamed guest. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. Hey, how are you doing? No, no. And how I also did not name the guest yet. <laughs> I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. I, I missed last week, but I heard your recording, and I've got some thoughts. All right. Well, <laughs> good. I'm curious to hear those. But uh, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies, be a Moses for a review, the occasional commentary track, or some other film movie topic. This is episode 549. 549. Wow, 549. I mean, we're I we almost had a special plan for 550, but we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> it's it's less special now. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it. It's always special. It's always yeah. special. Yeah. But uh, but this week for we're talking of a haunting in Venice, mm. the latest Kenneth Branagh directed Agatha Christie adaptation, and uh, joining us to talk all about that movie and more, we have from Fast Film Reviews. When the moon hit his eye like a big pizza pie, he called in a world famous detective to figure out who threw it at him. It's Mark Hoban. Hi everyone, Mark. Hello. Hello, good to be back. Yeah, yeah, it's good to have you back. For sure, good to have Congrats you. Congrats on, on your always. placement in the summer gamble. What What about my place? Uh, you know, you just you were on the top ten. He's saying congrats. I was, He's saying congrats. Oh, congrats! Yeah. Yes, uh, I, I I didn't come in last, so that exactly. Was... Yeah. No slouching. Thank Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no I, I I I predicted Elemental dead on at number ten, and that saved me. It did. There yeah. you go. Uh, well, yeah, Mark, good to have you back on the show as always here. Look forward to talking about movies and more with you. Let's get to some uh, show notes real quick first. Uh, first up, new commentary. Brand new commentary came out this past weekend. It is for the movie True Romance from director Tony Scott and writer Quentin Tarantino. That was a lot of fun to record myself, Brandon, Yancey, and Mark. We all talked about that film for the exact runtime because that's how commentaries work. <laughs> uh, and that. <laughs> that recording uh that's actually not true it goes longer because we all like y- there's some you know, there's some pre and there's some exit yeah yeah we, we always go a little longer like the it's usually like the the blu-ray menu is back on before i stop recording those commentary checks <laughs> yeah we tend to go a little bit longer but regardless that is up now on itunes and everywhere else you can find podcasts but if you go to itunes or even spotify you give us a rating review which would be great you can log on to any of those sites click the the tab that's required to get to the review section. Then you can be like, I need to think about what I want to write. I should have thought about it beforehand. And then you think about that thing and you got it and you write it down, you submit, enter, whatever you do. And then we got a review. And that'd be great. It's a lot of thinking, but thank you so much in advance. That's not, that was all straightforward. I did the thinking for you. Oh, okay. All right. I just all got right. it out of the way. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? Um, yeah, that's it. Oh, no, you know what? Abe, I had a, I had a thing I wanted to bring up to, to, oh. to both of you before we got into this. 
something new? Uh, well, it relates directly something to something old. Movie. It relates directly something to something blue. Movie. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it relates directly to the movie we're talking about this Okay. Week. A Haunting in Venice. Mm-hmm. This movie came in uh, second place, it looks like, at the box office. We'll see the final numbers. It's like 14.5, and the Nun 2 is like 14.7. Um, but comparatively, that's you know that's not high for this series so far. Sure. Um, I'm trying to get the exact numbers. Um, but the um but the the you know this is the third of these movies and the first one obviously like did quite well uh but opened to I know where is it I, I think I, I I just had it oh no but <laughs> well, the first one did... and, and the uh, the curse of the missing tab I know right <laughs> uh but the first one did quite well death and denial didn't do as well for reasons um mainly the COVID delay among other things but like right, right. and now this one opened like fairly low and so I'm, I, my theory, and because I want to have your guys' opinion on this, but my theory is, I don't think the marketing was that good, and I'm not saying like the trailers are bad. I think the trailers are actually fine. I mean, like if I'm seeing posters for this movie, all I got was like mm-hmm. shadowy people who I couldn't tell who they were, and I'm like, why would I be interested in this? Mm-hmm. That's where I landed on this. Like if you if you told me based on these posters that you had Tina Fey and Michelle Yeoh in them, but like, which ones are they? Like, that's how bad I think the posters are for them. So I'm curious. Did you guys did have they any, have like, character posters for They for did this? have character posters, they but the, even the main posters, just, like, five heads in different positions, but, like, either Jamie Dornan has a mustache or all the women have, like, the same, like, shadowing going on. So it's like, how would anyone know who's in this movie? Like, I, mm-hmm. it's it felt very confusing to me as a strategy to, like, get people interested. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious I would agree. Yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of like a cross between a horror film and a whodunit. It really is more of a whodunit, um, right. but there's the poster kind of uh, kind of makes it seem like it's it's more horror. So, I mean, this is really a movie. I I would say it's being it should have been pitched. It's more for an older audience, you know. It's Agatha Christie adaptation, and and we'll get into like what we thought about the film. But I yeah, I don't think that the movie was sold to the right audience. I, I think maybe they were selling it more as a horror movie. Um, it was leaning on the it, horror thing for sure. Yeah. 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 But I don't, I mean, if they really sold it as a horror movie, then that audience would have, sh- th- that audience shows up. I mean, the nun is, is evidence that uh, <laughs> there's certain things that if you satisfy the audience will come out for horror and the nun obviously satisfied that. And this movie uh, I mean, it's not a horror film. I mean, it really isn't. There's some spooky shenanigans, but for the yeah. most part, yeah. I think they... And it's all quote-unquote older people. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Is. It, that's really what it is. But, you know, yeah. what I want to... My sort of confusion is Death on the Nile was not a hit. And so I, I'm trying to figure out why this film was greenlit. Because Let's it say, actually... I think that we talked about bigger. that like during the trailer talk, too. I was like, I didn't know there was a third one coming out. <laughs> It did open bigger than Death in the Nile, but at the same time, it didn't open big enough to justify what I, I think is a cost that is not going to be met. So I don't understand why this – if it's still going on the – because Murder on the Orient Express was a hit, and, and that was uh, – justified its existence. But mm-hmm. I don't think people – fondly recall that film so i just don't understand why they're now making a third film 
we can talk about the more we'll talk about that yeah as the review uh, of the film i I, there are thoughts on on just like the marketing part aaron i i would agree with mark that uh had it kind of just been geared more toward another mystery from the agatha christie series like oh that would have been cool because it definitely would have been not not to age like a film but it would have been like a, a exotic marigold hotel type of situation right where it's like yes you you're driving in a specific audience to come see this movie from director Kenneth Branagh uh, with all these other things. Cause when I was watching this movie, I also did think, ah, I, I, I am, I'm interested as to when they release this movie and the, the marketing I did see for it, because it is trying to sell it as like a, a holiday romp for Halloween. And it's, uh, it has elements of that, but it also is, is I think that it is sort of mis uh, mischaracterized in some way. Well, we'll talk more about the film, obviously, as we go on sure. through this. But yeah, I was just curious your guys' thoughts on just how they tried to sell this because yeah. it's it, it wasn't surprising to me to see it not do well. And it's like, well, sure. look at these yeah. posters. Like, <laughs> I know posters isn't like the sole way to get people into a movie, but I'm still like, you know, as a, just a basic. It's like, well, if, if you don't know who's in this thing, yeah. like, if you're all right. When you're walking I, through, I when you're walking just... through Blockbuster, you're just like, I don't, I don't really care about this. The, the tangent that I went off on just about why was it made is I don't even know how you would have sold this film. Like, I don't know if, if there's a way to sell a film like this in today's marketplace. I think you say, I, my name is Kenneth Branagh. I won an Academy Award and I'd like to do one more. I, yeah, I think you just put the things up on high display, like the things yeah. you have. Like, instead, mm-hmm. it's, instead it chose to hide them. Like, Maybe I hi- highlight... Uh, I don't highlight know. Academy Award winner Michelle Yeoh a little more. Well, uh, uh, all, yeah, all the cast. All like, that, it didn't yeah. do that. That's the thing that confused. Mm-hmm. Like, it shows them in a trailer as far as, like, there's a face you might recognize. But, right, right. I mean, it just seems like marketing 101 to me. Like, say the names. <laughs> like, but, um, yeah, Destiny's anyway. Child. Exactly. Say, say that my name. name. Say my name. <laughs> Both of you guys went in. That's great. All right. Well, okay. Let's move, let's move on to some show notes. So, let's get into some Mountain Quickies. Trademark. Each one now we talk about doing week that's not okay, please. TM. All right. It's pretty good. Abe, you were yes. unfortunately absent last week, but I was. What do you have for us this week? I watched uh, a few movies, including the ones that you guys talked about last week. Well, I didn't I didn't watch Talk to Me yet. I'll, I'll get to that at home video when I can control the volume. <laughs> but <laughs> Um, I watched Strays. Uh, that's not oh, a good movie, God. man. Yeah, <laughs> it, is, <laughs> it is not good. It. I, I think there was like one joke I laughed at, aside from the one that Aaron told me about when he reviewed this movie like two weeks ago, um, where these old people are watching these dogs. But um, I told there was Mark only the like same one. one that I <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there was like a different one that I laughed at, and I was like, oh, this is kind of funny. I think it's like when they're going like really silly with something. But um, in any case, it's. It it actually is like there's one part of the movie where they start doing they start eating magic mushrooms and they kind of go off on like a weird like you know hand puppet adventure and also like a, an animated adventure cartoon yeah yeah and I was like this is this is a premise for something that would have worked out if, if it was like yeah if it was like more like adult animation or something but you have like Homeward Bound style real dogs and real cats and it's just like it's hard to do things with real dogs and real cats. Because they're not going to like animate or, you know, pose in ways that you'd really necessarily want. It, it's too it's it's not a movie like it's more like a premise and it's more like a, a pitch uh, for maybe like a short. Uh, but it's it's just not very good. So I, I would not recommend you see that 
I'd say like the, the actions of the animals wasn't my problem. I just wasn't laughing. <laughs> so yeah, wasn't no, funny. That, that too, that too. And I think that's I, I have part, an, I have another joke. Yeah. The narrator dog. The, <laughs> the narrator dog that I thought was cute. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a chuck. It's a chuckle, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, that was that. And then um, you guys talk about the nun too, uh, back in the habit, I guess. Um, and, you know, I didn't mind this movie. I, I, I like I listened <laughs> to I listened to you guys both and I was like wow uh Professor Mike Dillon really harsh on it which is understandable it, it, your opinion is your opinion um and I think that you're a little bit softer on it um and I, I I was like you know it it is much better than the nun and I actually thought that a lot of the horror elements and a lot of like the scare tactics were in service to the plot of the movie that they're trying to tell like the things that I didn't like about it that much we're actually Vera Farmiga and Storm Reed. We're like they have like their own like little side hey, plot Tessa, tangent. Tessa Farmiga. Tessa. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, Vera Farmiga shows up in the credits, but um, but yeah, Tessa Farmiga. Like their little side story is like it is about Tessa and and her past experience, but they're kind of just doing like the very on the nose things. I'm just like, oh, well, what is this thing about? And let's go to this place. And the other story is just like this really haunted school that used to be a church. And it has some spooky things that are happening in it. And I thought that what they, yes, there are like cheap scares and what have you, but it's also like, um, they also built up to them. And I really like that about it. So including things like, I think you mentioned it uh, in, in your part, Aaron, where it's like, hey, the, the opening kill is pretty cool. It's like, yeah, it is kind of pretty cool. Um, like, I actually like the way that it really uh, uh, just doesn't really like, jump scare you to the to the point of like okay well you know that was pretty cheap um like they do have some of that but it, it again it, it actually just builds up to it and I'm, I'm specifically thinking of the scene where like the headmistress lady is like doing her thing in in the uh <laughs> in the in the the root locked room and mm-hmm. i was like i dig that there's a lot going on here from spooky sounds to you know things that are might be playing in your shadows to like apparitions so uh, yeah like it, it's not great uh like i think aaron you said that you it's not one that you'd throw on again i i would check it out again just just because i think it's actually a fun thing to have on in the background of like a halloween party but you know like it's not bad i, I actually yeah. was surprised by by how much uh it, it improved upon it. and I, I think like the director was um uh, michael chavez yeah and then the the writer too like the credited writer was not the other two guys, but they only had the the lady on there. Uh, Kayla Cooper, who did yeah. *Malignant* and *Mathrigan*. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I thought it was uh it, it was it was serviceable. It was fun. Yeah, like I said, it's like mid tier conjuring for me, and like yeah. yeah, I wouldn't necessarily race out to see it again. But if for some reason we're like we're doing a conjuring marathon, I I wouldn't shudder at the nun too in the way I'd shudder at some of the other ones. Yeah, like <laughs> if we were talking about like the nun specifically, I'd be like I'm not gonna watch the nun, but call me when you guys turn on the nun too. <laughs> So, yeah, that was the nun too. I'm glad you agree with the soft pass that I gave it. Also. <laughs> Anything else? No, that's it. All right, Mark, let's go to you. What have you seen recently? Yeah, so um, I saw this documentary on HBO, uh, or you can also watch it streaming on Max. It's called BS High, and BS stands for Bishop Sycamore. It has to stand. It has to do with this school. It this it basically was a scandal that kind of came to light when they played IMG Academy, which is a very top-ranked high school, Mm -hmm. on ESPN. And the game 
was completely lopsided. It was like 58 to zero. And in the fallout of, of the, the utter like shock of this like how bad this school was they started to go into like well what is this school and it turns out it was a completely fake school is being run by this guy named roy johnson who agrees to be in the documentary and he answers their questions and, and like takes full of responsibility for what he did but really is very arrogant and you have to watch this it, mm -hmm. it's it's a very kind of shocking it's one of these uh documentaries Documentaries that kind of brings to light something that you may not be aware of. I, I wasn't. And it, it kind of shines a light on something that is pretty awful. And, and a lot of the kids that were part of this school were from disadvantaged backgrounds. Um, they had some you know, desire to play football, uh, but they had no means to go to schools that would allow them to do that. So this was sort of providing them that opportunity. And at first, it almost sounds like he's doing something nice for these kids. But as it turns out, you'll see as the documentary plays out, it was just a complete sham. And uh, yeah, it was. it's one of those things that you just kind of like watch with your mouth open and shocked that this that actually happened and mm -hmm. it's frustrating there's it does have an ending um but it isn't it isn't really a good ending but hopefully with this documentary maybe some of these kids will find some some justice in their life and and hopefully you know make good on like what they were hoping to do mm -hmm. so it stands for bishop sycamore but it sounds like this bs high has a double meaning in the title <laughs> oh you you you, you caught Aaron on that new huh? earth top critic uh, slash code cracker. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember to drink your Ovaltine. <laughs> what else, Mark? Uh, well, also I'll sing the praises of Jawan. This is hey. um, a Bollywood. Yeah, a Bollywood film. Um, it was making a lot of money here in the U.S. as well as abroad, and I decided to check it out. I, I loved RRR from last mm -hmm. year, and I thought, you know, this. Uh, was something I, I I might enjoy, and and I did. It's it's also it's it's ridiculous. I mean, it's it's a musical, it's a drama, it's a comedy. You know, it's it's all these things. It's also a political statement. I mean, there 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 definitely uh, obviously some issues happening in India that uh, this film is trying to bring to light. So it, it's all of those things. But you know, it's a spectacle. It's it's really fun. And uh, Shah Rukh Khan, uh, he's the star. He is a megastar in India. I get it. Like, he is a charismatic presence. He's playing two roles here. He's playing his father and his son. And then even as his son, he's wearing disguises to be his father. So it, it's a little confusing. Um, and they, they reveal there's things that happen in the beginning of the film that you're, you're sort of like a little bit unsure of and then as the film plays out you understand oh that's why they were doing that and but, stuff. Mark, so, just to just to pause you real quick abe just to tell you to give you a hint of like what's going on at the beginning of this film mm -hmm. there's a mummy fight and i'll stop there uh, go on <laughs> there's a mummy fight there there's six beautiful women that he's uh enlisted from a prison to be sort of his cohorts to terrorize a bus and to terrorize uh, a bus a train, well, a train. or train yeah, sorry a, a train yeah. and and someone's murder on the train and i i was shocked i mean there's there's okay. murders there there's that 
Indian films are not afraid, at least this film was not afraid to, to go there. You know, if you, cute puppy American films, no, that, that always, that, that'll stay alive till the mm-hmm. end of the film, but not here. <laughs> so and there's a close up. I mean, there's, oh, no. there's things here that I was like, oh, wow, this is definitely a different mentality, but I kind of like that. It was, it's definitely, it's different. They're, they're not playing by the same rules and yeah. And, and you know what? I'm used to, I, I, I've, I've seen enough three hour films in American movies now that it's not a big deal. The, the showing that I saw was at a Cinemark, so there was actually a um, uh, intermission, which I appreciated. So there was 90 minutes, and then there was an intermission, and then we came back. So um, I didn't miss anything. Um, so I I like that. But I guess it I I know a, uh, Aaron, you mentioned that yours ours just ran straight through. Yeah, it just ran straight through. Okay. But you know, just don't don't have the the large Coke, and then you'll probably be fine. <laughs> Got it. Okay. But and yeah, that large Coke is actually a small in theaters that cost you six dollars. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I've ever gotten a medium at a movie theater. <laughs> I, yeah, it's like there's no need to get a, a small is thirty two ounces, man. <laughs> well, and and the difference is usually like a quarter or something. So it's like you get like <laughs> Sorry, yeah, they're double like, you double the drink. They've already they... they've already won you over with the small. <laughs> so it's like well, <laughs> oh man. There's a whole other conversation. We yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, we should have this conversation. <laughs> have you have you reviewed Joan on the show? I talked about it last week a bit. Okay. Not, yeah. not you know not as an episode, but right, yeah, right. The, in the it, and it's 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 making money. I mean, well, it, where did it, you guys it's, see it? It's in theaters. It's in theaters. Yeah. It's, okay. it's in play. Just in theaters? regular and regular movie okay. movie theaters. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. It is out now. Actually, m- my local theater regularly. I mean, they show all the 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 current you know films anyway mm-hmm. but uh it shows like two or three indian films regularly yeah. like it's not uncommon to see indian films in this theater so um but Jawan is definitely it's it's making money in a way that uh you know i don't i guess pathan which was Shah Rukh khan's last yeah. film it, it also made money too i did not see that but it's streaming so i i definitely intend to okay great so that's it cool yeah, well, thank you. I'm happy to hear more about Juwan. <laughs> I just like, like spreading the word on it because it's a lot of fun. Um, I've seen a few things this week, as usual. Uh, right now, I'm actually I'm deep in prep for our horror movie episodes coming this October. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been uh, watching a few things here and there, and we'll talk more about those next month. Uh, but as far as yeah, but as far as new films go, I saw Dumb Money. Uh, this week yeah the other new release the other new release of the week this is with paul dano and a lot of people seth rogan pete davidson who's again quite good in the movie pete davidson have a good year <laughs> as far as an actor um this is about the whole gamestop story that was taking place in the news a couple years ago in like january of 2021 and it's funny because like I was I was tangentially focused on this a bit as it was happening just based off work and seeing a movie already exist uh, that's detailing this story in its own perspective. It's like, well, that's pretty quick. And the results are, I think, because of that, they're fine without being better. And I think it comes from there's just not enough time to have much introspection on the whole mm-hmm. ordeal. Like there's no real anyone that knows about like what actually happened with this like the ending of this doesn't really have much of an ending and so it's like okay um what do you do to get us to at least some point and i will say the first hour of this movie is pretty entertaining it's directed by craig gillespie who did i Tanya 
and a variety of other movies that are nothing alike, which makes his career weird when I look at it. Um, but it's uh, it's very much modeled on being akin to something like Social Network or The Big Short. Mm-hmm. I'm not the first person to compare those two movies to this yeah. one. I'm not going to be the last one to do those things because it's just that obvious. Even in the music, it feels very reminiscent of The Social Network. Uh, but like the, it does take this kind of comedic approach to the drama unfolding involving uh, very wealthy people shorting game stocks, game stops stock, mm-hmm. um, while you know local traders, you know people that that <laughs> they're try- they're trying. They find that basically Paul Dano's character is this. He makes it. He makes a bet on the stock, and like people start following him. Um, there is more detail than that, and the movie I think does a pretty good job of explaining what the thing is, as far as what's going on what's working for people that just you know can't really process how the stock market works which i mm-hmm. it's understandable given the scenario and the details or what have you and like like i said the first hour i think is pretty entertaining because you just have all these characters you're learning about people from different sides of the of the different classes essentially because you have a lot of people that are in debt versus a lot of people that are very wealthy seth rogan and nick offerman and vincent onofrio play like these billionaire guys and then there's right. the robin hood portion of this there's a lot um it's not like it gets bad in the second half of the movie. It's just more like it, ha- it. There's only so much it can really do to keep this story interesting, um, and to try to make this particular thing cinematic. Like the efforts put in, but it just doesn't lead to anything. I think that's all that that, that has much to comment on. So mm-hmm. it's like I think the movie's fine. It's entertaining enough to to watch and to enjoy as far as these performances go and the way it rings out comedy and uses a lot of pop culture references to kind of add in it. Again, it's very much like the big short in that way. Uh, But like, if you're trying to really glean something from all of this, you're not going to get much that you can't kind of already figure out yourself as far as like what to take away. Yeah. But it's it's fine. Like it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's because we we talked about like that. I think like during the pandemic pandemic episodes where we're, Mm -hmm. we're talking about how, Things that come on the heels of things that just happen, like movies or documentaries or TV shows that just come on the heels of something that this that just happened historically. It's like, I don't know what your level of interest would be in that because we just lived through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I that's uh, is it thankfully short or is it kind of long? Yeah, it's like an hour 45. It's not a long okay. movie. It's yeah. not it's not an oppressive watch whatsoever. There's too much fun in the performances going on to make it like a bad watch. Sure. I just think if somebody that's already informed on this or has is i don't know cinema literate they're not going to get a whole lot new out of this for a general audience i think it's fine it does the job you know mm-hmm. that's that, that's the basic way i can say um so yeah uh i watched a film called rebel this is okay. from the directing duo that that uh that directed a uh, bad boys for life um they're a belgian directing duo they made a few films before that they're all they're kind of crime focused movies this is a movie that's about um the radicalization of a of a man who uh, left the middle east for belgium and then came back um and he and he has a brother and a mother and they're all kind of dealing with dealing with isis essentially mm-hmm. and it serves as this kind of action drama and it's a very stylish film and when i say stylish i mean it has some creative action sequences as well as a number of like music video breaks. Like I don't even I like I you know, I guess it's it in a musical, it would just be like a musical dance number, what have you. This has more like sequences where the characters' emotions become so much that it turns into a music video. It's mm-hmm. a really I it's a unique way to present something like this in the midst of this kind of film. And for that alone, I think it's good. 
um, because it just feels different from other films that I've seen that involve like, you know, the origins of terrorism or what have you. Um, so it's it makes for an interesting watch. And given that these guys, they did Bad Boys for Life, which we both like uh, more than we I think we expected to. Yeah. Um, I'm just like, oh, cool. They got like basically a blank check to do whatever before they do Bad Boys uh, Ride or Die, I believe is the next one. Um, so Great. good for them. Uh, yeah. But I, I enjoyed the movie. Um, I also watched Outlaw Johnny Black. This is the new Michael Jai White um, film, and it's involving him and many other people that were involved in Black Dynamite. Oh, um, great! A, a film that I really like. I think it's one of the best black exploitation parodies you can ask for. Mm-hmm. Outlaw Johnny Black is a is a western. Um, I, I hesitate to say western comedy because it certainly is funny in parts, given that it's the same team behind Black Dynamite. But it plays it more straight than Black Dynamite does. Black Dynamite is very obviously a comedy. This movie plays it like it's a Western that's homaging various other classic Westerns, in addition to having like certain bits of humor or what have you. It's quite long. It is over two hours, and it does not need to be. It could have been much more. It could have been tightened up a lot. Um, and I do think part of that's like because it wants to like be Leone and whatnot, and like try to have this kind of feel that makes it feel like a proper Western. Uh, but the movie's just, I think it doesn't, the story it's telling doesn't require as much as it has in it. That said, Michael J. White, who also directs and stars, like, he's really good in this movie. <laughs> like, he's a great, he makes for a, Blake, a great black cowboy. Um, <laughs> and the story it is telling where he has to, he basically poses as a priest who he, believe has, he believes has died. Um, and that makes for a number of scenarios, I think, work really well. But it also just gets dragged out far too long. Mm-hmm. So maybe not one that I recommend seeing like right away, yeah. but if you like Black Dynamite or if you like Michael J. White, who I think is a strong presence in the world of like DTV videos or what have you, um, I'd, I'd certainly you know check it out. Is he doing martial arts in this movie? A little bit, not okay. a lot because it's a curious. western. Yeah, like, exactly. He, he gives he throws a few kicks. But I was like, <laughs> martial arts as a priest, that'd be great. He he gets a few kicks in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I want to mention real quick is uh, a show on Hulu I watched called The Other Black Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, an office dark comedy, I guess would be the best way to put it, where uh, there's a woman in an office at a, um, it's a book publishing um, company. Um, what's the guy's name on Will and Grace? Who's Will? Eric McCormick. Eric, Eric McCormick, McCormick is, yeah. yeah, he is, he is the, um, like the, it's named, it, the company's named after him. He is the C- okay. like CEO, what have you. Um, this girl works there. This woman works there. Um, and then they, it, I said girl, it's called the other black girl. Um she is one of the few black employees they have. And then another black employee gets in, another black woman gets involved. Mm-hmm. And while they quickly form a friendship, it seems as though something sinister may be going on. <laughs> this show is like 10 episodes and it's very enjoyable in far as far as like playing up this kind of paranoid thriller aspect within the realm of like a dark comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it was it was quite entertaining, and they're all half hour apps, which is my kind of show. So <laughs> that was on Hulu. Hulu got some good programming. Check it out. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, that's that's what I got. That's uh that's our quickies. Good work. All right, let's move on now. Let's get to our one. Let's get to our trailer talk. We're talking about the one of the newest movie trailers of the week. What we thought of it. What we thought of it. When it's coming out. What have you? This week we are talking Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Last time we had a hidden kingdom, so I'm not sure what other kingdoms there are, but I guess there's another one. So here we are now with Aquaman, the sequel. It's once again directed by James Wan. It once again stars Jason Momoa, Patrick Wilson, Amber Heard, Yaya Abdul-Mateen, Nicole Kidman, Tamura Morrison, 
and all the others, including, I assume, octopi and seahorses and whales and what have you. All of that in mind. Mark, I forget. Where were you on the first Aquaman? What do you think of this trailer? The first one, I, I enjoyed it fine. Uh, I I think I gave it like a 7 out of 10. So I, right. I thought it was enjoyable. Um, in, in the world of DC films, I think it's it's one of the better ones. Um, as far as the new trailer, I just I really I, I will see it. But I, I really can't summon up the enthusiasm for this film. So I, I'm kind of cooled on the DC series. I, I, I haven't actually the last three I, I haven't enjoyed to, mm-hmm. to varying degrees. So I to to get the excitement for another DC film, I really I don't have it. But, you know, I did enjoy Aquaman fine. And if it continues that trajectory then i'll enjoy it and i i probably i mean i am going to be seeing it so you know it, it, it's kind of like yeah you know it's there and and you know i'll 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 watch it well abe you have what uh the uh, kids in the audience of the ed sullivan show are still referring to as blue beetle mania so where would you think the of uh, ed the... sullivan show <laughs> what do you think of the aquaman alaska <laughs> <laughs> i was like i don't know how people get that reference like everybody on the on the panel today does but... <laughs> uh i i hey man give me more james wan being weird like i this oh this trailer opens up with like a shot of just jason momoa like on a beachfront i was like i is he using like fast ray motion on this but i'm just curious as to what james wan is going to be doing in this world that we're not really super accustomed to uh i would agree with mark that i don't know how i feel about the dceu as it as it previously is this is it <laughs> yeah, yeah this, this is the final one before and even james wan's like we're not connected to those it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah so it, like does it look a little bit hokey and and weird yeah but also like a lot of james wan movies are like that too so i'm just i'm pretty i'm pretty open to it like i i don't know what i'm gonna be expecting and i hope that it's a it's a romp i i'm right there with you i like aquaman quite a bit i think the one of the best things Zack Snyder did for this universe was casting Jason Momoa as Aquaman. Um, so that first film, which is a kitchen sink movie of everything being thrown at it, um, I think James Wan did a really fun job with. And based on what I'm seeing here so far, yeah. Like, I know there's a lot of talk about why haven't we seen the trailer for Aquaman yet? That's because, well, there's a lot of visual effects with Aquaman, and I'd rather see... A, you know, a version of that that looks good as opposed to a like, yeah, we kind of finished it. So here's a trailer. Um, and I'm based after all the waiting. Yeah, I'm really happy with what I'm seeing so far. It looks visually just big, which is what I'd want from an Aquaman movie. I, I don't, you know, no room for subtlety here. Just give me Aquaman doing crazy things. I like many superhero, or, you know, just movies, you know, sequels in general. I like the idea of him teaming up with the villain from the last film and everything. That well, just I mean, seemed... it's half brother. Yeah, I mean, but I, I like I, I'm already enjoying what that dynamic is from this trailer alone. Mm-hmm. And that uh, that that's among other things that give me promise for what to expect from another Aquaman movie. Um, yeah, give me give me this. Because, yes, I like while I I enjoy I enjoyed Blue Beetle and I enjoyed these I enjoyed these three fine, but I wouldn't say I was over the moon about any of them. Like this is one where it's like. Well, they got a director here that like makes movies that look like movies. It really goes all in. So yeah, let me let me see what that looks like. I'm yeah. uh, looking forward to Aquaman. There you go. 
plus there's you know he jumps out of the water on a seahorse there's like octopus on him it's like yeah all right <laughs> i can't everywhere. wait for the sea creatures that we're gonna see just you know having a good time like the 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 cinematographer is like yeah i'm doing my teen um we should really focus on him a lot in this trailer yeah. <laughs> i i like, like the Wilson way, buff? Yeah. i like the way that black manta looks like with the you know the oval shaped helmet which uh-huh. is yeah. exactly as i remember from the cartoon so i i mean i i like it when my expectations are like oh that really looks like a physical version of what i remember from the cartoon so yeah. and that it looks well done so yeah the 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 trailer is uh pretty like it it looks good yeah. so you know i i'm hoping that there's a story yeah. a good story well i mean mark there's Why a lost kingdom out there that they have to find it <laughs> i know I just have, we have what? to find that kingdom where was it is it that is it that, <laughs> is it that mysterious oh spot? I, it's underneath the newspapers is it that mysterious spot on the map that says blank <laughs> like where, where it's actually lost? Rand mcnally where people it's, wear it's under Rand mcnally yeah of course. it's actually oh. where yeah where they wear hats on their feet <laughs> and hamburgersy people <laughs> Well, Aquaman of the Lost Kingdom hits theaters and I assume IMAX on December twentieth, twenty twenty three. Wow. Okay. They're really this Christmas for that, once yeah, again. Christmas movie. Where it can I'll be so curious if Aquaman like manages to make another billion after the first one. But uh time will tell. Uh all right, let's move on now. Let's get to our main review for a haunting in Venice. Hercule Poirot, I've found something. I've looked at it from every which way. I am the smartest person I ever met, and I can't figure it out, so I came to the second. You are up to something, my friend. I've seen a million of these so-called psychics, each one a fake. I do not believe in psychics. Come with me to a seance. Spot the con I can't. Detective, you are here to discredit me, but I can talk to the dead. All I have to hear my daughter's voice. If someone wants to be heard, we are here. Listening. Mama? Felicia? What is happening? Somebody is dead. No one shall leave this place until I know who did it. That should have been some of the trailer for A Haunting in Venice. Kenneth Branagh has spent the past several years balancing deeply personal projects such as Belfast and Artemis Fowl with a commercial franchise (laughs) allowing him to star as Detective Hercule Poirot. First came Murder on the Orient Express, which is a strong enough hit to put Death on the Nile fast into production. Unfortunately, based on COVID-related delays, the film was pushed back only to also contend with issues involving multiple members of the cast. Still, Mm. apparently 20th Century Studios was willing to call a mulligan for the film's less-than-stellar performance, as here we are for a third film, A Haunting in Venice. Here, Poirot is now retired and living in post-World War II Venice. The previous film took place between World Wars. And thanks to an invitation and a push from acquaintance-slash-crime novelist Ariadne Oliver, Poirot attends a Halloween party that becomes a seance. Wouldn't you know it? A murder takes place, meaning Burrow will have to keep the guests locked inside a spooky palazzo until he can figure out the truth, which may or may not involve ghosts. Mark Hoban, I'm curious, where were you with the previous Agatha Christie adaptations from Kenneth Branagh? And what did you think of this film? Yeah, so I thought 
Murder on the Orient Express was pretty dull. Uh, Death on the Nile was a little better, but used too much green screen. And a haunt, you know, third time's the charm. I mean, I think A Haunting in Venice is the best adaptation of an Agatha Christie novel by Kenneth Branagh yet. Um, I think a couple of things that really make it enjoyable is that one, they're using real sets. They're really present in the in the place that they're at. Uh, the set, uh, the the palazzo is is really kind of eerie, and also it's a smaller cast. They they do have some names in it, but it's it's much more uh, intimate. And I think that sort of it's setting most of it in this uh, home actually benefits it uh, because it, it, it relies just sort of on this eerie mood. And uh, I I was along for the ride. I, I enjoyed the there's several, obviously, in any Agatha Christie story, there's going to be twists and turns. And, and, you know, at one point you think this person did it another time, uh, someone else. And there's a bit of that. In fact, the story kind of focuses on the uh, somebody has already died, uh, committed suicide, and so the seance is to about that. And then there's sort of a question whether the person really even committed suicide. And then there's multiple developments in the film. And I kind of enjoyed every time something happened. I think Kenneth Branagh really delivers as Hercule Poirot. You know, we've seen, uh, you know many people do this uh role in the past uh and i think that kenneth brana is is just as good as any of them um so he he's the star i i think uh michelle yo also as the fortune teller uh, is is very good um not everybody else is up to that same level but i think the screenplay is good enough that i was captivated by the the different developments and uh, so, yeah, I I I I enjoyed it. I, I it's you know it's not the maybe not the greatest Agatha Christie adaptation I've ever seen, mm -hmm. but it's it's the best that Kenneth Branagh has done, and uh, well worth uh, your time. All right, Abe, how about you? Where are you with uh, the latest in the Poro adventures? The the HP adventures. I don't know what that means. Um, as far as like uh, hunting events in Venice goes, I I also enjoyed it. I thought that there was actually a lot going on here, both from a technical standpoint and from a film standpoint that I thought was a crisper uh, take on Agatha Christie's uh, novels, uh, crime novels, um, in comparison to Death on the Nile, and also in comparison to um, uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, I agree with Mark that the cast, I think that it was uh, a correct move to kind of like size down the cast and kind of just keep it um, not as as 12 people uh, many, but at the same time, like it's a different story. Um, Might have just been that way that uh, Agatha Christie wrote it anyway. What I really dug about it the most was actually a lot of the the use of fisheye lenses and all a lot of like the, the um, sort of like Dutch close ups. Angles. Uh, on these actors that that's uh, the Dutch angles too, I guess um, the close up on the actors. Cause I think it really helps with, with the, the mood and the theme of the movie of just uh, sort of being disorienting and sort of just being like, well, I don't know actually if this is theatrics or if it's uh, just, you know, somebody sort of um, uh, using a, a bunch of like uh, tricks on me to, to sort of uh, manipulate my emotions kind of thing. Um, and at the same time, I actually thought that there was it, it 
from a, from a story standpoint, I thought it was a continuation and a, a sort of an interesting continuation of this post-war Poirot and kind of going through um, his, his some PTSD, but there's also Jamie Dornan, who was also a, a soldier. Um, and so I thought that was actually a nice touch, I guess, of just sort of trying to understand the mind behind the the genius, I guess, of, of Hercule, Her, Hercule Poirot. Um, as far as like the 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 mystery goes, I was proud of myself that I solved this. I've I've never read this story or I've never I've never seen this movie uh, or a different adaptation of it at any point. But I was proud that I was able to solve it. I don't think it was really d- that difficult. It's not as though he's trying to trick you in any way. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, I I, I I enjoyed that there was uh, some elements to this movie that uh, even Hercule had to sort of admit that he maybe couldn't explain all the, all of it. So. I thought that the cast was enjoyable. I thought it, it 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 works for what it is. It's actually a l- strangely it's only like an hour and forty five minutes. I think. Yeah, um, it's a briefer movie. Yeah, it's a briefer movie, but it does maybe like have like a a midsection like in Act Two that might be a little bit uh doesn't drag necessarily, but it, it certainly felt as though the the pacing was um slowed down a little bit. But um yeah, on the whole, it's it's an enjoyable movie. I, I would say that it'd be fun for people to go see this. Uh, I, I think Mark, you had a question earlier off air about marketing and, and we should talk about that later too, but it, it certainly is not that movie, but it, it actually is like a fun little whodunit and you can certainly pair it with a lot of the stuff that Ryan Johnson has made as well. Um, yeah, I, I like this the most of the Brana films that he's yeah. done with this character so far. I agree on that front. I, I thought murder was fine. I thought death on I was an improvement, but yeah, this one, I think, because of the shift in tone, the idea to move it into a more possibly supernatural thriller territory like that was interesting to me. But then yeah, I think it just also comes down to Brana stepping it up as far as what he wanted to get out of this movie. And I think that comes from, yes, making it into this more because of the specific story set on Halloween and may or may not involve ghosts. It's like, OK, well, that that allows for more options from him directorially. That could be interesting. This is also mm-hmm. notably the first uh, digitally shot of these movies he shot the previous two in 70 millimeter so really? yeah and it's wow. i found that interesting because okay so there's a lot of natural lighting going on here the, the i think the use of this palazzo is really well handled because you mm-hmm. just have a lot of narrow corridors and ways to play around with stuff and like it's like i think murder was shot pretty well like i like seeing the look yeah. of that movie death i agree mark there was a lot of like whenever they went outside it wasn't the best when they were inside. He was still trying to do stuff, but it's just like this movie, I think just capitalizes so well on the use of Venice, even if it's just one location in Venice for the most part. Mm-hmm. And that really adds to like what we're going for with something like this. Abe, you and I have just, we've, we've had a lot of fun with Brenna over the years. Every time he kind of dutches the hell out of some roof, some scenes in his movies <laughs> and this movie, yeah. I'd be surprised if anybody was standing ever on a straight set. Like everything's touched every, <laughs> every step of the way. Here. Like, yeah. I'm sure everyone was seasick by the end of this movie. Um, but it, it's very much a directed film in that regard. And that I think adds to what the appeal of something like this would be uh, on top of that. Yeah. I do think Brana's delivering as Perot. I think playing him the third time here, it's not like he's ever been bad as the character, but I think the, because he, he's like given this character more to work with, throughout this film series which makes a level of sense um but now we're at this third film where we've got a lot of history with him already and then like you have this understanding of where he is in his life Mm -hmm. i like that there's a kind of arc to his character as far as 
what he wants to do from the beginning of this film to the end of this film. I, I like that that works that way. Um, casting wise, like there's there's less A-listers here than there were in the first film and even the second film. Um, that's not necessarily. But that doesn't that doesn't matter. I'm yeah, not, I think that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's not necessarily a detriment to the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think there's people that stand out more than others, and not just because they're recognizable faces. But I do think, like, I think Jamie Dornan's haunted look uh, does him well in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think young Jude Hill. Honestly, I kept. I, I, I have to say, I I kept wondering why isn't Henry Cavill playing this role? <laughs> it just seemed like a Henry Cavill role to me. By the because time he already shaved off his mustache. Because he's busy. <laughs> so yeah. he, he's busy getting teeth tossed around by DC only to go to do some uh, <laughs> to do Warhammer because everyone loves video game movies. That would yeah. be a huge thing for him. Um, what were you saying about Jude Hill? I think Jude Hill is pretty good here. Um, mm-hmm. Especially at the end. Son. I, I, I thought he was, uh, you know, give all that praise he got for Belfast. Like, oh, he cast him again. Who is he played this time? Oh, he's like a little precocious kid. Yeah. That could be annoying, and I didn't find him annoying. That's my main point. <laughs> I wanted to get out of here. I, I like that he <laughs> he works in this movie as well as he needs to. Michelle Yeoh plays a little bit against type, which I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah for the most part, like the cast didn't bother me. I am curious what you guys thought of Tina Fey in this movie because it seemed like an unlikely pairing as far as Perot and and this character who's like a major character like all the not like she's in more than just this novel right uh, it's it felt like that way yeah like it could be the, the start of something mm-hmm. uh, as far as her character is concerned um but i mean yeah i think the i i will say like i i'm not proud of myself for solving this mystery because <laughs> um, i i don't try to do that ever i try mm-hmm. i try to watch things as they go and i don't try to like guess ahead i'm not saying you did but i'm mm-hmm. saying watching this and like basically figuring it out early on it's like all right and then it happened i'm like all right yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> just kinda... I, I know what you mean there's like that intuition of like can you guys just get to the reveal of this because like it's you're well, taking it's not, it's not like I, and i i you know i could agree there's a little bit of slack in this because it's become you know the, these movies generally follow a similar pattern you know set, set something up establish the characters someone dies and then is perot going into various rooms with certain people that are accused and questioning yeah. them like it's that pattern goes on repeat here but it's more of me just logically sussing out who would be potentially doing this right, or right. what so it's like oh, i got it and like i got nothing i was also pretty clear <laughs> by the time it got to it like murder has the benefit of being like one of the most creative and fascinating like solves of all these mystery murder mystery right. movies so it's like well that's something but like yeah the mystery aspect of these things feels like less and less compelling but like at least i got you know the period details and the the work he did as a director like that was what was winning me over more than anything this time right. around so no i i i like this film i I, I hope this isn't the end of the Poro things. If he can still maintain this energy and other uh, ways to go about handling these stories. Yeah. I, I'm curious what you guys thought of Tina Fey in this movie. Yeah. Well, I thought she was fine. I, I, I think she was supposed to be a little bit lighthearted and, sure. and somewhat, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a more of a whimsical kind of performance. So I, I thought she, she wasn't supposed to be quite as serious as some of the other characters. I thought it was fine. Yeah. They, the, or she, she was fine. Yeah, I think she balances out pretty well because I think Brana kind of going through a like a, a self uh, a self uh, which call it like he's uh, not very cheeky in this. He's movie. not very cheeky. Yeah, and like you know, you and I have talked and made quotes about in, in the past about him kind of reading Dickens and being Dickens. delighted. Yeah, and he's just he, he's actually not that person in here again. Yeah. He's 
he's lived through a lot of things, including a world war, loss of people. And now he's just like, I just want to be retired and I don't want to really be bothered. So it really helps out that Tina Fey is a bubbly personality. that's like, Hey, you know, like try and get out there, man. Like you're the great Hercule Poirot. I, and I'm a writer. Like, I really love that you, uh, I, I really love for you to go check some things out with me because you got to live your life. And he's just like, rrr, 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 rrr. so it, it was a nice little like balance of, who he what who Kenneth Branagh has played Perot as in the past into now where he's like what you're saying here and he's very introspective um and he's kind of like closed off and Tina Fey kind of adds like uh some light to it. Do you do you guys uh, watch Only Murders in the Building? Yeah, yeah, I've only seen so, season one though. Okay, well the it the character that Tina Fey plays here is very reminiscent yes, of the characters she plays in that TV show. So I, I, I will admit that I just kept seeing Tina Fey. I, I don't think she I don't think <laughs> that, she disappears into the role. That's, but that's not I, exactly. I, I would agree. But, that's why yeah. that's why I'm asking this question because I don't think but, she's, but, I don't think she's bad. I, she, but I, she I, brings I just, she does bring a levity to to the proceedings that I mm-hmm. think is needed because the, the movie is very somber and, and kind of depressing and she's the sort of the most lighthearted thing in well, the for film. sure and like you know just knowing so that she, just i think that, she adds something necessary just knowing that she's in the cast i assume that she's going to be the comic relief in this movie to some degree right right uh, so it's more of how effective is she doing that part and like yeah so obviously it adds a you know a sensibility to it that you know makes it more than just moody and gloomy the whole time it's like she's never been in I don't I can't recall a, like a period piece, you know, that's not like a skit or something that she's been in. So I'm just curious if, right. like, if this if like if it felt like it, like what you're saying, Mark, is kind of where I'm at, too, where it's like, yeah, I'm not I'm never really like looking at this character being like that's not Tina Fey. That's Ariana right, right. Oliver. Like so it's which is, again, a flaw in this whole movie. It's not like, you know, all of these movies, given that the idea is to cast. You know, a lot of notable people in all of these roles, this one, maybe less so than the previous ones, but like. There's a there's a layer of detachment, I think, as far as how invested you're supposed to get with having these people playing these parts. Like, I don't think you watch Murder in the New York Express and you see Josh Gad and Daisy Ridley and be like, oh, they've so they've sunk into those characters. I don't see them at all. <laughs> like, I don't think that's the necessary intention. Olaf. But, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I was just curious because like, she yeah. seems like the most notable as far as like someone you don't generally see in this kind of movie. Yeah. And again, she kind of has kind of been doing more comedies and. Uh, her own stuff so it was actually really I, I found it refreshing to, to kind of see her in this movie just doing uh, a, a role I had a question for you guys just around sort of Agatha Christie overall you know we've seen Ryan Johnson kind of take on his take of this and this is a much more of like a classic interpretation sort of the way that, that Kenneth Branagh can, has done in the past um, but are you guys more like in the new school of things or do you guys still like these classical interpretations of these whodunits I mean, I think the it's not a matter of preference of one or the other. I think it's more of execution. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not expecting Kenneth Branagh's taken a Christie novel to resemble the deconstructionist takes that Johnson brings to his films in general. So it's just like a different matter of how to do this kind of thing. Now, I wouldn't say that this movie is in the same league as like, a music biopic that gets overshadowed by something like walk hard because they've just so thoroughly destroyed the notion of how you do these movies. Mm-hmm. But it is hard to not think of how much more I like knives out and a glass onion compared to these Brana mysteries. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, those Ryan Johnson movies don't exist without Agatha Christie. So she's sure. the, she's the basis, but I, I agree that 
what what you said, um, Aaron, that they both can exist and and you can enjoy both for what they are. Um, I will say that this one does rise above the other two for just the fact that I'm not familiar with A Haunting in Venice or the novel Halloween Party that it's based on. Whereas Death on the Nile has a very famous 70s film, uh, okay. which is quite good. And De- uh, and uh, Murder on the Orient Express, also very famous 70s film. I mean, I think Ingrid Bergman won an Oscar for, for her role in that. Um, she should have won for something else. But regardless, those are famous films. So Kenneth Branagh's films don't surpass those. And in fact, they... They, they're just sort of like in their shadow. Whereas this is like, almost feels like its own thing. Mm, so okay. I think if there is another Kenneth Branagh, Agatha Christie adaptation, he really ought to pick something obscure and, and just go his own way. Don't pick, you know, um, evil under the sun or something like that. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask what would be, cause I, I just, I, I haven't read any of the Christie novels and I'm just, I'm not familiar with the world of Perot in the same way many people are that, you know, certainly grew up with, what uh, Sachet, uh, David Suchet, right? On um, PBS. Yeah. On yeah. PBS, or yeah. like the obviously, was it Finney in um uh, yeah in the first Albert movie. yeah yeah the very you know Peter the various adaptations yeah, sure. the, the, yeah the various adaptations yeah. of these things like so right. it's most of it's new to me beyond like Express and like Death and I I was familiar with but yeah I just be curious where the next step would be but yeah, yeah I mean Abe as far as what you're asking yeah like I. We haven't seen a huge influx of whodunits, so I'd be certainly curious to get more like period themed ones. We had what See How You Run last year with Sam Rockwell and, and Saoirse, uh, Saoirse Ronan, Ronan. Which, yeah, which not a good movie, which it wasn't really big on at all. I enjoyed that film. Okay, well, you can Sears. leave. <laughs> I, I thought it was better than Wes, what Wes Anderson's been doing, and it is that kind of film. Sure, oh, sure. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I respect your opinion, Mark. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't need to clarify that as I'm talking. <laughs> Mark thinks I think lesser of him now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I, I know what you mean by having. I, it would be. I, I am curious. Other directors, other writers' takes on whodunits. I, I I always enjoy having a sort of murder mystery, whether it be uh, a Bob's Burgers episode or you know a simpsons episode or, or anything like i these are always very intriguing because mm-hmm. i think it really engages the audience in a way and i think that this one i think they, they've all sort of engaged the audience like all of brana's agatha christie films have engaged the audience in a way but again i think this one with its use of its its um technical aspects which heightened your senses a little bit was was pretty fun and i was also trying to figure out like the the spiritualness of this like the ghostness of this too and i was like i don't know is that is that happening or is that not happening? I'm not really sure. I can see something like this happening, but who knows? So I, I'd I'd argue this film does the best job of engaging the audience because agreed. as Mark as Mark put it, I mean, Murder in the Orient Express, which I thought was again fine. Mark, you called it just you know kind of a slog essentially. Like, like yeah, like, I feel like these movies should be more exciting than they are. Yes, and I yeah. and I and as much as I like this movie, you know, of the three, the most, I still think it's missing that something extra. And yeah, like that, yeah. and that brings it back to your question. As far as like, I don't, th- you know, I don't think Brana needs to suddenly make like some drastic changes in how he directs movies necessarily. I'm not asking for him to, to just ape uh, Benoit Blanc films, but I, I, I do think that they're, you know, for having this material to work with, which have been made into you know books that have been read by millions and adapted or what have you, 
there's and you know Kenneth Branagh's no slouch as a filmmaker. He's been yeah. doing this for multiple decades. We should be getting like something more exciting, I think, from these movies than just like, oh yeah, it's fine. Like there should be something there. But yeah, and that I think that's it over really the, the crux of my question too is just more of you know Kenneth Branagh. He, he's he's known to adapt things and known to like make things very classical and, and what have you, but. Could there be something else that he could just interpret? Because it doesn't have to always necessarily be a straight, like like what Mark you said. Like let me gather everybody in the room in the third act, and, and then let me just run through everything. Like no, it, it, you could also have just like a Kenneth Branagh thing where you're just like this is where it goes against the grain of the Agatha Christie novel, while still staying true to you know the ultimate ending. But I I just want to add some yeah you know I, one of the things I think uh with like uh. Glass Onion and and Knives Out is that they keep up that intensity and excitement throughout the whole film. Mm -hmm. And in this movie, there is a brief moment when they're at the seance and and stuff is happening. And then he uh, basically figures something out. Yeah, he figures something out. And there is sort of an excitement there, like, yeah. oh, okay, he's really a smart guy, and I like the way they found it out, and I and 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 all that. They need to keep that up, and yeah. they don't. Like, mm-hmm. there 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 needs to be more things like that throughout yeah. the film, and there there really isn't. So they yeah. don't keep up that intensity. I, but Glass Onion and Knives Out does that. It's right. constantly like your your you know your expectations keep getting upended. Yeah, like and again, I, I haven't written a movie, I haven't written one of these scripts, and I, I would I think that it, it's kind of difficult too. But I think one of the things that you're talking about with the momentum of Glass Onion, or I'm sorry, with um, uh, Knives Out, and something I really liked is like you when you watch it on on second watch or third watch, you're like, oh, pretty clever, Ryan Johnson, you dropped this clue here that mm-hmm, I just dismissed right. the first time around. And these are pretty straightforward. And again, Prana, whatever he wants to do is whatever he wants to do. It's it's written by Michael Green. So whatever Michael Green, I, I guess, is writing and Prana agrees with. But yeah, like, you know, when I'm thinking about like Ransom, is that you again? I was like, what a granny's just losing her mind. And then you watch again, you're like, oh, that's actually really clever. The way that it was like right in front of me the whole time. So I mean, it part of it comes down to just what I expect from Kenneth Branagh as a filmmaker at this point. Because yeah, I yeah, think yeah. about his movies, and it's I have nothing against Kenneth Branagh, even if I think Belfast is widely overpraised. But I mean, they I think you and I both. <laughs> but um, you should have seen the text message I sent to my friends. Were like Belfast won for best original screenplay. They don't even say anything. Hey, Judy Dench sat at that window and said go. So you know, Oscar nomination. Um, but. <laughs> But I, but here's the thing. I, I watched Dead Again for the first time uh, okay. the other day. His second film. Right? I cannot believe that it. it's just the first time you've I ever know. seen that. I know. <laughs> I was, <laughs> and it's and like looking at the price. I saw like, that at the theater, by the way. I, wow. I saw that in it. Yeah. And, and he, anyway. but he, speaking of poor, speaking of accents with Kenneth Branagh. He I know. A, I didn't, I didn't does, know Kenneth Branagh was British he does when I saw Amer- that film. He does an American accent. That is something. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. now granted mark when you saw it you weren't familiar with kenneth Branagh very much right. i hadn't it. seen henry v yet so you know i i've seen plenty of kenneth Branagh in my life sure. at this point so watching him do an american accent it is there are choices that are made that he does is he from a region in the u.s <laughs> i i couldn't tell you okay um <laughs> but i and i'm not even saying necessarily that it's bad it's just more like the voice coming out of your mouth is not the person i've known <laughs> <laughs> like it's in an almost distracting way. My whole point of this, though, is bringing up Dead Again is that movie is constantly exciting. Okay. Like it's very Hitchcockian. It's got a lot of ideas going on. If Brian De Palma made that movie, it'd be wild. Uh, but as it stands, it's like oh, this is still like for Kenneth Branagh. This is, this is a lot of choices 
is being made and constant like change-ups and what have you yeah and like then it go on throughout his career and it, like I, I it's rare that i see that kind of energy in his movies it doesn't mean all his movies require yeah. that energy but as far as like his innovations as a director like that's why I wish I like Belfast more because like he's certainly trying for something here. Yeah, uh, but, but like... I, I think I, I I'm agreeing with you because I think the thing that sort of is forming in my head is like Kenneth Brown the actor versus Kenneth Brown the director, and you know we watch things like Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. And it's like it's this is not a very good bad. movie. It's a bad movie, and you know you're choosing to be in it and direct it, and you're choosing to have an accent, but then you watch something like I don't know like Tenant, and it's like. You know, you're actually really good at this. Like you you can play a smarmy villain, um, asshole villain who who like, you know, has like this one personal vendetta against the world kind of thing. Um, and you're not directing it though. So it, it like I am curious around not this is not a question for you guys, it's just more for me. I'm just like, yeah, I guess Kenneth Brown, the director, like I, I need to watch more of his movies to be like, if this if this hunting in Venice is like it's in line with the way that he directs, or is it like he actually was trying something different? You know what I mean? So I, I don't know yet. Mark, do you have like a favorite uh, Brownell film? Uh, hmm. uh probably. I mean, he, I thought he, Henry V was extraordinary. It, that's a it's a great debut. I agree. That's a really good movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I probably, I probably would go with that. I think as mm-hmm. as the best. That's a fair choice. I mean, that yeah. I, I can't imagine many top three Kenneth Branagh movies not having Henry V in it. <laughs> this makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I actually he he's done my favorite Disney adaptation, the Cinderella. Cinderella is very that good. Actually, yeah, that actually is a good one. Yeah, yeah. I I actually thought, and he actually took. Actually, uh, I think the Disney version of Cinderella is kind of blah. I mean, there's yeah. not a whole lot to it. Like half of it is just mice running around and just acting cute. Well, they um, sing too, Mark. Yeah, that's true. They 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 sing Mark, and Mark and famously it, hates singing mice though. So. They make a dress. That's right. Yeah. yeah, but not a whole lot. Not a whole lot happens. I actually thought he sort of took that material and and made it sort of more interesting. That's a great point. Um, yeah. So anyway, but yeah, those I mean, for for serious, I would say uh, Henry V and and just for fun, Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting back to hunting in Venice, mm-hmm. I um. I wanted to point out some other things that I did yes. enjoy. Yeah. Um, one is a little like back and forth because his he has the bodyguard, right? It's played by Ricardo Scaramucio, uh, yeah. who's the he's the villain in John Wick too. He's the yeah, asshole. He's in that eating movie. the duck the duck fat fries. <laughs> yes, he's eating the duck fat fries. That's very specific. <laughs> and like I liked him in the like the first half because he was being more aggressive as a bodyguard, and I quite enjoyed that. I like yeah. he's like pushing people into the water and stuff like that. And he just kind of fades in the background. So I was like, ah, all right. Like, but I, I was really enjoying that performance for like, uh, you know, half of the movie. Yeah, I, I think part of it is like a lot of like good setup of characters and good setup of things. Mark, you mentioned, um, you know, shooting in location, you know, in Italy uh, or in Venice specifically. Um, and I, I enjoyed that, too. So, yeah, I agree with you, Aaron, that there are there's good setup of characters because I laughed when he pushes that guy into the into the canal. Um, and I liked his presence of being like the protector of of uh, Poirot um, to some degree. And then, yeah, he kind of just has to guard a gate literally for like the middle act of the movie. And this is part of why I was able to figure it out because of the way it arranges these characters. Oh, like, really? OK. Yeah, we've kind of narrowed down who could be involved in something. <laughs> so that's that's where like one person is doing a lot. So it's like, well, that's obviously oh, going to be like it's you're giving me too much with this person. <laughs> so, um, 
what else? Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, the score. Uh, Hildur uh, um, from Joker. <laughs> oh, I said all okay. the things. Got yeah. It. Yeah. I said all the things. There's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of accent yeah. marks over her name. Uh, but it's a good moody score. I thought it matched the kind of the moodiness of the movie overall, which uh, I wouldn't say it's like an amazing score. I didn't download it, but I do think the, you know, in the moments, I was quite enjoying the kind of all the work going into like making the film look evocative in its presentation mm-hmm. to the Palazzo okay. and then adding some music on top of it. Oh, she did um, Tar oh, as well. Tar, yes, yeah, she did Tar, yes. Yeah. Yeah, nothing really to add on, on the music front. Um, I, again, I kind of liked the. Uh, cinematography and the film editing probably a little bit more so um, that's kind of where where my money was being put all right um there what the the mark the, the question because maybe it's basically oh. which question you have but the question mark had early on is why this will get made uh because we talked about the marketing but that doesn't matter yeah. like why does this film exist to begin with and if we want to get into that i mean Part of it, I think, has to be contracts. I feel like Kenneth Branagh like was going to get three of these no matter what. I think that yeah, that's probably in part of what this is. Um, and I honestly, I do think that because it got delayed, and because things in February last year were still kind of lesser than compared to now, I feel like I I, I wouldn't be surprised if like Disney twentieth century like they saw what they had and were like we can't measure this the same way we can measure murder on the Orient express as far as how much money that made like maybe mm-hmm. they saw it but maybe they saw the movie as having like more of a potential and it just couldn't match it based off of a variety of variables that they were unexpected when the movie's being made to begin with and so they just naturally proceeded anyway with a third film thinking yeah now things are back on track we can see where we go from here that that'd be my my that'd be my main takeaway as far as yeah i think my my main guess is also very similar which is uh you can go ahead and make murder it does well with a very large cast and then you just sign up for two more pictures and then pandemic hits right uh so now we're not really sure about what this is going to do it doesn't really do well you got some actor stuff in part two that now they can't really showcase this actor as much specifically army hammer um and then uh yeah and then you get this third one where it was part of a deal and i don't know what the budget was for this aaron i don't know if you know offhand 60 but it's it's 60? lower than the last one but the last one also was inflated because again delays and stuff yeah happened. delays yeah. yeah um yeah so 60 is like i i wouldn't be surprised they're just like you know we're, we're contractually obligated to let you make this third one but if you could just do it in like a smaller location that'd be great you know we, we'd be really thankful if you could just uh choose like one place or two places which which what we said earlier is like it's just in one place it's in the palazzo and maybe some shots of italy uh, in the beginning, but after that, it's just like it's on sets and it's in like one place. So, um, yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be too I wouldn't put it too far past just the studio saying we signed you up for three pictures. Here's your third one. We'll see how this goes, and then if you want to do more of these, we can probably let you do some direct streaming stuff. I don't know. And I mean, there's international appeal. It'll probably it'll it, this will move this movie will ultimately make a profit over time. Okay, like, we'll see where it goes. Um, but yeah, like death is there's so it's such a weird situation with death because of the delays, because of COVID, because of some of the stars involved, and because right. of like the way the but because these aren't expensive movies. Death seems expensive, but it's more of after the fact stuff, and mm-hmm. so it's there's profit to be made, which is why you keep right. doing it. But yeah, it's I I could I feel like we're speculating, but I feel like it's it it's somewhat clear as to why you got a third. 
honestly, I was surprised I forgot there was going to be a third until like a trailer hit. I was like, oh right. yeah, it's ready to make another one of these. <laughs> yeah. And also the others weren't like super well reviewed, right? They're they're they're, they're both they okay. both cover around 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. They're not I don't know what that means. That's not a real that's not a true mark of anything. We don't have recognized Rotten Tomatoes on this podcast. If you want to talk about well-reviewed, they're fairly the the middle old, of the road. They're middle of the road. Yeah, they weren't yeah. overwhelmingly praised. Right. They weren't overwhelming. They weren't, but they weren't getting like you know bomb ratings either. It was just more like yeah, one of these is fine. Okay. Yeah, this yeah. one by comparison has much better reviews. Right. Yeah. So again, that can factor into just like, well, they're just middling reviews, and and we can't keep making these movies that are just middling reviews. We kind of need something that will get butts in the seats. If, I mean, if the money's there, then they'll keep making it. Yeah. yeah, they'll they'll make a movie that gets terrible reviews if it's yeah, a hit. Look, look at all these DC movies. <laughs> <laughs> we liked Blue Beetle. And those other ones before it. Oh, <laughs> oh got it. Okay. The ones that people are angry about. Yeah, yeah. Snyder Cats, <laughs> got it. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Anything else on Death uh definitely not, on Haunting in Venice? No. Okay, well, let's go with the question then we have next, which is, Mark, when should people go and see this movie? Um, I think you can wait for streaming. Fair enough. Abe? You know, I, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I, I'd say Dollar Theater. Go check it out then. Yeah, I think, you know, we're getting into spooky season, as I hate to say. Um, so, Why do you hate spooky season? It's such a cheesy phrase to use. Oh, oh the phrase. Season. Okay. I was like, you love Halloween. What are you talking about? I love Halloween and I love spooky seasoning. Um, you know, make that chicken spooky. That's what I say. But as far as spooky season's concerned, um, I... Um, I I think, yeah, if you're, you know, for an older audience that wants to see a classic kind of whodunits mm-hmm. during, like, Halloween season, yeah, I'd say this is fine for, like, a dollar theater. I wouldn't race, okay. you know, I, I wouldn't race out to inflate the opening box office numbers of this movie, but I'd yeah. say, yeah, it does the job. I just remembered a quickie I was going to mention. Trademark. <laughs> we'll get back to that in a second. Okay. Um, sorry. Uh, but, yeah, um, Hodging and Venice in theaters now, we all kind of like it. Yeah, to varying degrees. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me get to this quickie now. Okay. Sure, Mark. Abe, shortly before this podcast, I finished uh, uh, winning, 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 winning time, winning time, which is very Uh, apropos for you to bring it up right now. I I know. (laughs) But here's the thing. I guess it was canceled or like it's done. Yes, that's, a, that's correct. A, yeah, a surprise cancellation. Like we didn't know this was the finest episode until literally today. Yes, um, which uh, sucks <laughs> because it, having watched the episode, it's such an abridged way to fin- finalize what happened based on history, which I don't need to get into more. But like for a show that's about the the Lakers, it's a very unsatisfying end to the series about the Lakers, given yeah. where it would have made where it would have obviously went if there was another season. <laughs> So. I, I have not seen season two. You never talked about this uh, kind of off mic. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I'd certainly like to talk about it at, a, at another point in time um, because <laughs> I think it's kind of serviceable for us. It, it's a very good subject for a case study um, for streaming. So, yeah, so I just I, I, I needed to bring this up because it was, it was it was very much on my mind. And I got distracted. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, it got canceled today. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well. Moving our cancellations aside for one <laughs> second, let's uh, get to another thing we do on this show. It's a little bit. It's so what? What? Uh, what time is it over here? I be mean, time for a couple of games.
little known fact, Aaron was actually the musical producer for the uh, Shadow Puppet scene. But they're like, oh, Aaron, you know, we can't afford you again. So they didn't use Aaron. It's always my offer only problem that exactly. I have. It's like, you know, I'll take an offer only, but it has to be at least $10. They're like, that's too expensive. Hildero is going to do it for a dollar. <laughs> um, I've got a two games for you guys this week. The first game, the reason why I have two games is because the first game pooped out on me. Because the first game is who tweeted? <laughs> um, and then after a while, tweet, Twitter t- just stopped working for my searches. So I was like, oh, this is frustrating. So I made another game. This is a game in which I will ask... Uh, We're our... playing one game, right? We're playing, playing two games. Mark. We're playing two games? They're oh, very God. quick. Oh, uh, the first game here Jeez, is... Marcus uh... over here. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I will read a tweet, and it could be from Aaron or Mark or somebody else. Uh, and the theme... Which oh, I'm going to get to lose, and I'm going to be embarrassed, so... Well, I was going to have you guys guess the theme if I could actually continue the questions, but because I had to bridge the questions, uh, the theme is just movies that are based in Italy or have an Italian sequence. Oh, man. We have so many tweets about that, too. Yeah. So the first one here, the question or the, the tweet is Cars is officially a trilogy, so we must now discuss it as we would the original Star Wars, Godfather, and Lord of the Rings sagas. Mark. Mark. That that was me. That is a Mark tweet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the next one here. He's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, he's not. And that's wrong. And that is how I discussed them. Yeah, especially with the, in comparison to the Godfather. When people, so talk we have to, to we have about... to say. Just by the way, we we say our own name and then we say the name of the person that did the tweet, right? Yes, sure. Because yeah. okay, yeah. you, you, you got it. Yeah. All right. I mean, next I, I did here. it correctly. I kind of feel like the pitch for Pompeii was people who love Dante's Peak and they loved Gladiator. So why not combine the two? Mark. Mark. I think it's me too. That is Mark. Yeah, yeah I thought it was. Mark. I was like, that's <laughs> Keep in mind, it could be Aaron or somebody else as well. <laughs> no, but so like the last time we played this game, I did not even remember tweeting these things. These I I sort of vaguely. These remember. are classic Mark that, tweets. Yeah, right these here. are classic. Well, I just <laughs> I don't think my opinion has changed on those. So, but my opinion will change on things. I I, I tweet things and then realize, oh, I was wrong yeah. about that. But uh, the next one here. There's a narrative where House of Gucci could have been a mainstream breakout hit with the audiences. If it only had taken notes from campy nighttime soap operas like Dynasty and Dallas, Mark. sadly, Mark. Is that Aaron? That is not Aaron. No, Aaron. Uh, Aaron. It's not Mark, so it's whoever else you found for this. It actually is Mark. What? <laughs> what does that mean? No. <laughs> You just you did three of mine all in a row. Yeah. <laughs> or or maybe more. Maybe they're all mine. Could be. You never know. Oh god. The next one here. Uh, Phil pulls off a Godfather 2 quote in Modern Family. I love this show. Aaron. Aaron. Is that Mark again? No, that's not Mark. <laughs> Mark? I guess it'll be, I'll say that whoever, somebody else. No, that's an Aaron quote. <laughs> oh, that was Aaron. Oh. Say this whole tweet. Phil pulls off of a Godfather 2 quote in Modern Family. I love this show. Aaron, you tweeted that. Okay. From when? <laughs> like, when Probably when you're watching Modern Family one point. That was like an old, old tweet. <laughs> I didn't I realize you were such a big fan of Modern Family. I like Modern Family. Like the first couple seasons of that show were pretty great. Oh, exactly. Like, the I totally enthusiasm agree. really drains after a while. So. We'll have to find out where he feels where he said the the Godfather two quote, and we'll know exactly which episode. I am assuming it. 2011. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a couple more here. Holy carp, Luca is good. It's opera music, books, telescopes, gelato, pasta, and of course, Vespas. This portrait of the cult, Aaron. Since Mark didn't jump on it, I'm going to say somebody else. It is not somebody else. Oh, God. All right. 
Mark, or you want me to finish it, or you want to guess? Finish it. Holy carp, Luca is good. It's <laughs> opera music, books, telescopes, gelato, pasta, and of course, Vespas. Uh, the portrait of the coastal town in Italy is simply wonderful. Uh, is that me? That is you. Yeah. I wrote holy carp? Yeah, I thought that that was going to be a dead giveaway. <laughs> I think it is. Even... Oh, because... Oh, because he says that in the movie, doesn't he? <laughs> I don't know. I figured, he if must Mark, have... I figured if you wrote that, I thought you would have jumped on it. Yeah. You didn't, so that's why I was confused. I was like, oh, this is going to be the easiest one because it says, holy carp, who writes that? <laughs> that might have... I must have had some reason for writing that. Uh, well, the last one here in uh, Who Tweeted is, I absolutely loved Luca, a truly lovely and beautiful coming-of-age tale of friendship, identity, and acceptance. Mark, Aaron... Well, that is not Aaron. No, because I didn't absolutely oh. love Luca. I thought it was good. <laughs> Aaron. Aaron. Somebody else? Somebody else is correct. That was Maxwell, friend of the show. Yeah, I uh, certainly wouldn't have tweeted twice about the yeah, same movie. So, yeah. And I clearly hate Italy. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was who tweeted Italy edition, which I had to abridge. And the next game here is Taco. The only, the only thing I wrote about Italy was something about a reference to Godfather, Godfather 2. Part 2. <laughs> it's like not even Italian. <laughs> Yeah, I looked up movies that are in Italy or have an Italy set, and then I I searched all of your uh your Twitter tweets, and like I guess Aaron Rolls only Godfather two things. <laughs> uh, the next one here is uh, top four. This is where I will name you an actor from a movie that we just talked about, Hunting in Venice, and IMDb has their top four movies or television shows uh listed, and if you could tell me what you think they are, you get a point for each, and uh, if you do not all four. Uh, if you could get four points, yes. If you don't get oh all four points, God. the next person has a possibility to steal. Uh, Mark, because you are the guest <sighs> of the show, you get to go first. What do you think IMDb lists for Jamie Dornan, who plays the doctor father in this movie, Hunting in Venice? Uh, well, Belfast. Okay. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay, it's two. Uh, oh gosh. Barb and Star. Okay, I, I'm good so far. Uh, one more. One He's more. not telling you what you're if you're right or wrong. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I, I I just name. Okay, I was finding it hard to believe that I was getting all four. <laughs> um, oh gosh, what else has he done? I can't even. I mean, let's say Fifty Shades Darker. I was like, there are, there are, there's a trilogy in the Fifty Shades. Movies. Yeah. So, uh, Mark, you got two points there. Barbara Sargo to Vista Del Mar, that's one point. And Fifty Shades of Grey, that's two points. So Aaron, for two So other Belfast points. is not in his, like, known for I, kind of things? He oh, has wow. to shoot some arrows at some people to get the Yeah, the that's change. Ridic- ridiculous. Uh, Aaron, what about you? For the steal here for two extra points. Uh, which ones were in there? Barbara Star and Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay, so Darker wasn't in there. Jeez, wouldn't it be 50 shades There's a third one, yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to think. <laughs> what else? What other options do I have? Um, well, I, 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 yeah, I would be shocked if that's in there because I, anybody, if the well, second this, I mean, it, some of the obvious ones are gone now. So, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to guess that by default because, like, what else could make the thing? Okay. So, 50, yeah, 50 shades freed. Okay. And... You, you could just guess the. I mean, he was in the movie that we just saw, so I'm. A, I know what I could guess. Something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to help you because um, I can't okay, get anything. Okay, let me think. <laughs> this is preventing me from thinking. Um, what, Shades what, free. Okay, you need one more. Yeah. Um. 
because there's that show he did with 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 um Scully um the fall but like would that make it um I'll just do the stupid movie what Wild Mountain Time Wild Mountain Time okay uh Fifty Shades Freed is not on there yeah and neither is Wild Mountain Time you should have gone with the fall. Ah, okay. Paul is on there for a TV series and a private war. This is the movie with uh, Rose Pike. Rosamund Pike. Yeah, about the journalist. Mm. Um, so Aaron, you get I would points there. Never would have gotten either of those. Like the, <laughs> the fall I should have went with. Should, yeah, should have, should have gone with your gut. Uh, Aaron, you get to go first in the next one here. Kenneth Branagh, the director and also the star of Hunting in Venice. Can he be? Can he be? What do you think is in his IMDb top four? Oh boy, let's see. <laughs> God, watch it be wild, wild west. <laughs> I don't. I mean, do we know how? I mean, I what? How do we know how? We do not put know into, okay. how. Well, it, it algorithm works. It could be their agent. It could be them. It's it's a it's it could be one of two things. One is their star ranking, which compiles like all of the various searches and what have you about their various projects into some kind of an anomalous number that determines but, which are like the top four but things that, that would have to be the 50 shades darker and 50 shades freed would one have would to think be. but things happen mark things people search a lot of crazy they stuff. change over time yeah. you got barbara and star and and the <laughs> the, the other is the actors yeah, can't actually the, the actors can't actually choose them themselves if they want to that's it they, they pay if they're on mdb pro i guess i'd be pro subscribers they yeah. can choose the thing that they want yeah. uh, and um i'm going to choose the let's see let's do some of the shakespeare's let's do henry the fifth okay let's do hamlet Okay, and I'm gonna do Murder on the Orient Express. Okay, and God, I mean, if there was Henry the Fifth, there probably was Henry the Fourth, Third, Second, First. Yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna choose the prequels. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'll I'll throw Belfast in there. Okay, Aaron, mm-hmm. you got three points. Fuck yeah, Henry the Fifth. <laughs> Uh-huh. Hamlet, and Murder on the Orient Express. Okay. All right. Mark, for one point, can you name the last one in Kenneth Branagh's IMDb Top 4? Mm. Oh, okay. I think you I mean, it could be any. It, it could be anything. I'll just... Uh, oh. I'll just go with Oppenheimer because he was in that. He's not it, Oppenheimer. I, can I guess? Yeah. Is it is it much ado? Is it the other Shakespeare? That is the one. You're not gonna Far. get a point for it, but that is the one. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh it but was what, much ado about nothing. Much yeah. ado but about why nothing. that? Like of all the things that he's done, like how what would make you go what, clean whatever into that? Don't know. <laughs> whatever whatever the algorithm does, like it's tabulated all this stuff yeah. and it's led up to these. We just hail the algorithm. Because it's not like no one's specifically putting them in. Like it's literally a program yeah. that's doing this. <laughs> well, Mark, you got to go first in the next one here. There's only a few more. Michelle Yeoh, who plays the medium in in Haunting in Venice. Oh gosh. Um. Well, everything, everywhere, all at once. Okay. Um. Let's see. I'll say Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Okay. Crazy Rich Asians. Okay. And oh gosh, how about? Keep in mind, um, she did have a huge Hong Kong career before too. I may be trying to throw you off. Hmm. I I have a feeling it's more 
American type stuff. Uh, Memoirs of a Geisha. Okay. Mark, you got three points. Mm. Oh, nice. Everything Everywhere, Crouching Tiger, and Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. Aaron, for one point, can you name the last one Michelle Yeoh's top four? I'm going to go with the Bond movie, Tomorrow Never Dies. That is correct, yeah. Nice. All right. Yeah. So, uh, Aaron, you get to go first in this uh, second to last one, penultimate. Tina Fey, who plays Ariadne, the writer, in Hunting in Venice. Tina Fey. And they, these have to be movies, or they can be no, TV they shows? they can be both. Based on yeah, whatever so... the person oh, okay. is. So the person Cause she's... a TV okay. person or you know, a director or what have you. It's really hard to not say 30 Rock. Like, why wouldn't that be one of the things? Uh, so I'm gonna say it 30 Rock, okay. Uh, I'm gonna say Mean Girls, okay. And what's the other thing? Would Kimmy Schmidt be on there? I don't want to put it on there. Uh, Date Night, okay. and hmm. What other movie is there? What's that? Uh, Baby Mama. Okay. Aaron. Yeah. You got three points. Oh, wow. Is Baby Mama one of them? <laughs> 30 Rock. Uh-huh. Mean Girls, where she was the writer. Uh-huh. Date Night. Wow. Did not get Baby Mama. Uh, okay. <laughs> Mark, for one point, can you name the last uh, <laughs> Tina Fey IMDb credit? Well, I'm going to take a cue from Aaron and name, instead of Baby Mama, I'm going to go with Sisters. That is one point right there. Yeah, oh, look sisters. at that. All right. yeah. But I was like, yeah, Aaron, it was the other Amy Poehler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last one here, Kelly Riley. Mark, you get to go first. Kelly Riley, who plays the uh, the uh, Palazzo owner in Hunting in Venice. Okay, so when I saw A Hunting in Venice, I thought she looked familiar, but I could not place who she was. So I actually did look her up. Oh, you um, did. So you have so, like a leg up, but maybe. well, not that I, I didn't memorize what was in the like the top, <laughs> but flight. Yes, flight okay. would be because I was like, okay, I remember her in that movie, mm-hmm. um, and she had a part in Pride and Prejudice. Okay. Uh, <laughs> God, I have to think of what else I saw for her. Oh, well, Yellowstone, okay. uh, the TV series. TV series. I heard – I don't watch it, but that was one of the things that she's known for. And Calvary. Calvary. Okay. Calvary. All right. Calvary is a very interesting movie. Uh, Mark, you got two points. Light mm. and Pride and Prejudice. Aaron, for two points, what's the, the finishing touches on Kelly Riley's IMDb? Well, that's irritating because, like, there's two films that I should choose um, because the odds of me getting one of them, like, it just makes sense to, like, choose one of these. I'm going to say Sherlock Holmes. Okay. And now the question is, do I choose the other Sherlock Holmes also, which he's in more? (laughs) Like, (laughs) what stops me from saying the other Sherlock Holmes right now? (laughs) Because that's a very good guess, given the options here. Um but now, like, what else? Um, geez, Calvary's a good call, too, and that wasn't it either, so it doesn't matter. Um, 
damn it. I'm uh, I'm gonna say the other shit. Both Sherlock Holmeses is my guess. Okay. She's in Sherlock Holmes. Or, I mean, that's in her top four, but she is not in the Game of Shadows. They don't Sherlock give her the Holmes. second one. Yeah, okay. they didn't give her the second one. The 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 last remaining title is a uh, movie called Eden Lake, which I've never heard of. Um, so that was the last one. So Aaron, you get one point there. Uh, that's actually a tie. Both of you guys have eight to eight. So there is a tiebreaker here. Oh God. <laughs> And unfortunately, it can't be anything from the rest of the IMDb crew because you guys wouldn't know Jude Hill's Jude Hill's IMDb uh, credits, nor the other two side characters who are the the have brothers and sisters. So it has to be a box office game here. We could and... do Jude Hill. <laughs> I know. I was gonna say I. Well, I, mean, I guess... guys, it's like no. a whack at Jude Hill. <laughs> you guys be like, oh, this this is no no no. Um, I'm going to uh give you guys uh one question each. You guys both have a chance to answer. Can you guys tell me to the closest dollar? You guys can go over, but not too far over. The total box office for Kenneth Branagh directed films, and because uh, well, domestic, domestic, domestic. We'll give Mark um, the choice to go first or second because you're the you're the guest here. So you get to go. You you get to well, go second then. Okay. <laughs> So, Mark, all right, I'm sorry. Yeah. If you're giving all me right. that option, I'll take it. Okay. Yeah, I think it's actually a fairer option these days. <laughs> okay, so what's the domestic total of all of Kenneth Branagh's films? That's... Directed films. Directed films. Directed. Yeah, because yeah, starring films would be a lot. That you know that Wild Wild West money piles up. <laughs> um, okay, let's. He's made a lot of movies. films there's only a few that are like outright box office hits like even Cinderella is like a modest hit at best so Artemis Fowl obviously broke the bank by going direct <laughs> to the Disney plus yeah um we, we gave that one high remarks wild what like what would that be it's like hmm, total of all of his movies yeah I do have the number here because a, a website has given me this number I'm, yeah I'm sure it's not that hard to Mind. I'm yeah. just like I'm trying to like add like the potential of what this would be. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm I'm gonna damn. I'm gonna say eight hundred and seventy million. Eight hundred. Wow. Okay. Eight hundred seventy million. Mark, what is your guess for Kemp Brunner directed films domestic box office? I'll say eight hundred million. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just do some simple math here. I hope it's higher. <laughs> I hope it's a billion. <laughs> and the winner of this week's games is Mark Hoban. Oh, yeah. The total... I mean, I, I will <laughs> admit that I had the easier. That, yeah. You didn't so have the a, choice. Yeah. It's the a qualified choice. win, but yeah. I'll take it. What's the 21, number? 21 directed films, the total number by. Oh, yeah, yeah. What, yeah. What, what, is what is the number? 8,000. What? 708,000. Seven hundred eight million. Seven hundred eight million. Seven hundred eight million. Two hundred twenty-two thousand four hundred. Seven hundred eight thousand. That would yeah, be very good. I was so at seven two, and I changed it the last second. It was like, well, I was like, oh, Aaron. I think Aaron's really thinking hard about this. He might be factoring. Some I was thinking hard about there. <laughs> I just yeah. I had it too much. <laughs> some Thor money there. Yeah. So Mark, uh, but I actually, <laughs> I feel like Cinderella is like his biggest hit, though. Thor is uh, probably his biggest hit. Thor is probably his biggest hit. Yeah. But, anyway, um, yeah. Congratulations, Mark. Yeah, uh, thank Cinderella you. Cinderella actually is his biggest hit, 201. 
Thor is 181. I was thinking worldwide, but yeah. Yeah, worldwide is like, uh, it's actually still Cinderella. Yeah. Oh, worldwide? Oh, yeah, it's still Cinderella. uh, 542. And Thor is 449. Okay. Murder 351. Yeah, murders, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Thor came out a long time ago, so the the inflation, I think, is is helping. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations, Mark, on winning that. Good job, Mark. Uh, Thank you very much. I, I did not expect to win. Hey, that's how you play. Who tweeted? Uh, <laughs> and uh, and I'm and top four. Thank you. Yeah. Good, good cap there. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> let's move on now. Let's get to let's get some out now feedback. Be back. Be back. Be back. Feedback. Thank you. I was like, Thank I you. heard it. Yeah, I was, I I was waiting for the. Hot, I would where's the high pitch though. part? Because <laughs> when you're on, you usually do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is where we go with the race questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash now podcast. We asked a number of questions to the listeners. They gave us some answers. And then we got a couple questions this week as well. Great. Mark, first person here. Is... In as we uh, go through these. Yeah. First person here is what are some great unexpected movie team ups? Phil Purd writes Brad Pitt, Joan Hill, and Moneyball. Um, how about from you guys? Any any unexpected team ups? Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> there you go. Unexpected. I mean, <laughs> Aaron, you didn't know what was going to happen. Actually, you probably did. You're. I'm not Godzilla. asking about the outcome. I'm just saying <laughs> any, uh, the potential of <laughs> which, which person. Like, if it was Godzilla and uh, Sylvester Stallone, I'd be like, okay, that's a choice. Like, that coming at all. <laughs> when I first saw Terminator Two, I did not expect Terminator to be sent back to protect them so oh. like he, he teamed up with you know sarah connor uh, yeah so i thought the connors i thought that the was connors yeah that, yeah. that was yes <laughs> they were that was unexpected right that's a good that's a good call i mean you know for that time mm-hmm. spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> from a movie from 1991 yeah. i know <laughs> <laughs> that has had six other sequels <laughs> what terminator was good in that movie how dare uh, you? Aaron, how about you? Anything unexpected from team ups? I'm trying to think of one now. Like that was like, oh, that's a random coupling. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I'm not like I'm not thinking of it. <laughs> these class, think of like buddy movies. I'm like, nothing here's yeah. uh, uh, to you. Uh, no, here's here's one. Um sideways. Paul Giamatti and uh and Thomas Hayden Church. Okay. Both great in that movie. They are great. They're both like yeah. excellent in that movie. I watched that during the pandemic again. I hadn't seen that since 2004. It's like, oh, it's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we forward to new the holdovers of Paul Giamatti and Pain again yeah. together. There you go. That's what I got. You got anything? Uh, Will Ferrell and uh, Mark Wahlberg. I don't know. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Next question: Who are some great cinema? What are that? Who are some great cinematic mystics or fortune tellers? Irene Johnson has Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost, and Philip has Dumbledore. Mm. Mystics or fortune tellers? How about uh Tony Collette and Nightmare Alley? I was gonna say that too, Mark. Yeah, Ugh. I was gonna say Nightmare Alley. Yeah, Tony Collette. So yeah, or uh, or Joan Blondell in the original. The original. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, anything from you, Aaron? Um, I don't know, an X-Men. Um, let me think. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mr. I would have made Brown's a pretty good one. Um, what fortune tellers do we have? Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis in um, Haunted Mansion. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a very recent. So that's yeah, it's good. very, very, you know, it's probably still in a theater somewhere. I, I'm good for now. Okay. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you saw the uh, the press release that came what? up rotting magic this past week, but uh, some are saying it's a ghoulish delight. I don't know if you read that <laughs> the first paragraph of that sentence. I didn't. Yeah, no, no. But I'm I'm sure that person is very proud. <laughs> it's yeah. When a movie has bad reviews all across the board, and one person says uh, they were not it's all good. across the board, Mark. <laughs> they 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 get quoted. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, the next question here is name some great films set in Venice. Philip Heard writes Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Chris Cleveland writes oh. Don't Look Now. Good answer. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Venice movies. Uh... Well, uh, these are partially, but The Talented Mr. Ripley uh, partially took place in Venice and uh, Casino Royale. There you go. Yeah, Casino Royale for sure. Um, What else? That's good. I don't, where do they go in Ocean's Twelve? Not Venice. Uh, they don't go to Venice. They go to okay. they. They're at, like they film a lot. Like some of it's filmed at like Clooney's plate, his island. Yeah, in his island. Italy. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, so not Ocean's Twelve then. What's it? Spider Man goes to Venice, right? He's in Venice with Waterman or whoever. whoever Thomas Hayden Church? There. No. <laughs> yeah, I I think that actually <laughs> might be Venice. Yeah. No, no sure. he's in Venice because he's like hopping along in the in the canals between the canals at one point. Mm. Um, There's okay. like some key ones I'm like clearly forgetting. Othello. One of the Othellos. All the Othellos are Venice. All of the Othellos. There you go. All right. Uh, next question. What are some other great European mystery films? Philip writes, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, M, and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, either version. Mm, okay. M is a spectacular choice. It's one of yeah. my favorite movies. How about uh, The Third Man? Another Third another man. one of my favorite movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Suspiria. Suspiria, yeah. Um, I'll throw in a Midnight in Paris because you know, is a laundromat a, a portal to hell or what? Wow. Um. All right. Yeah. Next question. That's you. Yeah. The next question here is: uh, What are some great shadowy film films that feature a lot of low light and darkness? Chris Cleveland writes Seven. Lisa Rambo writes The Others. And Philip Heard writes Corey uh, Ada's uh, Mabo Maborosi Maborosi. How about Pan's Labyrinth? Pan's Labyrinth. Um, Woody Allen's Shadows and Fog. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Corpse Bride. I don't know. Corpse Bride. <laughs> it's it's all uh you know lamp work. Kind of dark. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, next question. What would be the movie mask that you would wear? Justin Weatherby has Kylo Ren. When I saw this on the big screen, oh man. And Philip writes, Pete Mitchell's mask in Top Gun, Colin Maverick. I could both breathe and pilot a fighter jet. That's all you need. <laughs> yeah. I like the practicality of that answer. I could breathe. I do, yeah. He's also great. got like, you know, the then... UV sun rays, uh, the shades as well. And he just becomes a fighter jet if you wear that mask. That's the oh, thing. he's a transformer at that point. It's like like Mike. You put on the sneakers and suddenly you're a basketball player. <laughs> he found the the helmet hanging on a telephone. Yeah, there's no fire. there's no rule that says people that aren't fighter pilots can't be if they don't have a mask on. <laughs> there's probably many rules that say that, actually. <laughs> uh, what would be the movie mask that you'd wear? Uh, I'd wear the mask from the mask, you know, just 
be all goofy and shit. Well, this is also Star Wars, but I'll 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 do Darth Vader. Yeah, the OG. Do you need help breathing, or you just like the mask? Uh, I'll just wear the mask. Okay, so not dark helmet though. Too big. Well, you know, he, he's not trying to go for space balls here. <laughs> a question's a question, Dave. I can't breathe in this thing. <laughs> a question's uh, a question. How dare you? I... <laughs> That that mask in Jawan, Mark, that one that he wears, it's like a half mask that he wears, and like, and because when he puts it on, like his hair is like suddenly like different. Also, oh, when he takes it uh-huh. off, he's like back to looking like him. It's like all right, I don't even know what the purpose of this mask was. It's not like you hit anything. It's just like oh, part of your face is slightly obscured. But it's a cool right. looking mask. It's on all the posters, so they, they, they clearly think so too. Okay, yeah, it was very uh, Phantom of the Opera kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's such a random, like, you didn't even need a disguise at this point. It's like, why are you, why are you wearing this? <laughs> he wears bandages. He wears a, a bald cap. A bald I mean, cap, what is what gets me? <laughs> I've got to see this movie. You do. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, now we'll move to questions that are being asked to everybody here today. The first question is from friend of the show, Ruben Acevedo Jr. He asks <laughs> us, uh, Oh, that's a, that next... seems like a nice young man. Yeah, he seems like a great young man. <laughs> Uh, what would be the next Agatha movie featuring Hercule Poirot released, if any? Um, let's see. As I've already mentioned, I'm not super familiar with the Christie novel, so I just don't know offhand what would be like the appropriate next step here. But Mark, you seem to have a bit more of an understanding. Any any thoughts as to where he could? Yeah, go? well, so I did read this on the internet, but the conversation that they had at the end because there's sort of a setup it, it's there's not an anything that's a direct comparison but there's a, a book that she wrote called five little pigs and that was sort of has hints of that story oh okay, okay. um let's see it actually uh it it it, it that's the what it was published under but i think it also is known as murder in retrospect as well hmm Okay. So it has like two titles, but it's it's kind of an unknown. I mean, not unknown, but it's it's lesser known. So I think maybe that would be a good choice because you don't have to go against something that has been established. Like Evil Under the Sun would not be a good choice, I think, because that already exists. Mm-hmm. And it's too bright. Um, I'm looking at a list of the the titles here, and I'm only going to say this because I, I want to cast it. I would choose Agatha Christie's The Merger of Roger Ackroyd. And I would cast Dan Aykroyd as Roger Aykroyd. No, oh, yeah, really, uh, really stretch, the... yeah, big stretch. Yeah. Um, well, there's, a, I mean, I guess, it, I mean, it's, it's, and then there were none, right? That's not a, that's not a Perot novel. But what if Perot wandered into like, ten, like ten little Indians? He just happened to be he's like, all right, let's do this, and like, slowly everyone dies around him for some reason. There you go. Just make it the final stand for Perot. The final stand. <laughs> He's got like uh, he's just gonna go out with a bang. Well, Ruben, hopefully we answered your question, and please write in more. Next question we have here is from Chris Leland. <laughs> yes, just wondering what's your guys' favorite and least favorite directors. Hadn't thought about it before, but for me, it must be Woody Allen as his least because he couldn't, as a teenager, couldn't stand his films for humor, and as a fave, he has Luke Besson. Mm. Favorite and least favorite directors. This is a good question. This is this is a tough question. Well, favorite for me would be Alfred Hitchcock. That's oh, sort of great. my go. That's my go-to answer. Mm-hmm. Do you have anybody that you least enjoy? 
I mean, I don't really think about that kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, do you know this? I'll. It's sort of like a, a team: Jason Friedberg and Aaron Seltzer. Do you know who yeah, that that's is? Yeah, that's a that's a good answer. <laughs> so I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. I think they go by something else, but yeah, yeah. No, they go by Friedberg and Seltzer. That's yeah, yeah, name. exactly. But you can look them up. Yeah. Um. I, I you know, like yeah, like Hitch, like if I. <laughs> Because this list like goes and goes, but like yeah. it like well, offhand like Hitchcock. Tarantino has it, to be up there for I you. I was gonna okay. say Hitchcock, Tarantino, and like Fincher would be like my go-to answers. Mm-hmm. But then you like you throw in like your Scorsese and your Spielberg and Soderbergh would be another one that's like. So like yeah, like yeah. there's plenty of those. Least is like, it's such like that's like Mark. That's a perfect answer because it's like yeah, because there's no like directing involved in what they're doing. They're just and like, I don't want to. I don't want to. I can think of direct. I can think of great direct. I can think of great directors that are held on a pedestal that I don't agree, but I don't want to say those. I just, because mm-hmm. there's usually someone that I do like in, you know, in their filmography. And I just, and also I'm going to, if I say anything, it'll, you will lose some of the audience. So I won't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like, like, cause like, th- like those guys is a perfect example. And like guys are just like sit there and exist, keep making movies. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, you can name, like name directors that exist. Their names for a reason. Like even if I didn't like for some reason, it's rare. Even if I didn't like any of somebody's films, there's still like there's something interesting about what makes right. them a filmmaker to begin with. Like sure. say right. this is not acknowledged. I like, but like for example, M Night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. People, you know, obviously have a have a thing with him as far as some of his lesser films, and like he's far from being the worst of anything. He is a very right. creative and interesting director. Yeah. I don't have. I happen to not like some of his movies, but it's not because he's so terrible at visualizing something on screen he's a very interesting director in that regard right i think what what makes him sometimes frustrating is he is so good at setting up the film that then it deteriorates into something that just doesn't deliver what he started with Mm -hmm. so and And i mean he does and he has some great i mean the sixth sense is still a great film so Beginning yeah, I mean, end. like he, he, like what Aaron says, he still tries things. Like even when he did like, um, uh, Young Magic Island, Beach. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, gonna, I was like, I forgot what you call it, but yeah, Magic Beach. It's like it's trying some things. Like it doesn't always work, but at least it's like, oh, you know. Uh, and I'm curious it, about what he's gonna be doing next. So. And on the on the other side of the spectrum, someone like Ed Wood. Like Ed Wood's a person that's like maybe unqualified to direct movies, but like watching his movies, the few that I've seen, yeah, like. At least he's yeah. It's not like it, there's a very earnestness about those movies where it's yeah. like there's a reason you still watch them at midnight showings, and it's like yeah, they're wacky and weird. It's yeah. guys like the people that direct like Adam Sandler movies that sit in the middle and do nothing to offer. Like that's those are guys that I don't like care for as directors. Is like what did you do? Like sure. you just filmed Adam Sandler on a vacation. Like I don't, that doesn't interest me at all. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing there. His mom likes him. I'm glad. And and hey, Mark <laughs> and I both really like his the the, the Sandler family movie that they made together. <laughs> You're sort of invited by bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, so. bat mitzvah. Yeah. Have you seen that, uh, uh, Abe? I have not yet, but Aaron. It's uh, actually pretty enjoyable. Very, yeah, yeah. Very positive on I it. mean, it's yeah, it's it's sweet. The more Jewish, the better. I say of Adam Sandler. There you <laughs> go. Uncut gems, Zohan. You're so not invited by bat mitzvah. <laughs> give me all the give me all the Jewishness in Adam <laughs> Meyerowitz stories. Like, give me all of this. Yeah, I kind of I res- gosh, there's so much about Adam Sandler that I respect as just a human being, sure. and that's one of the, that's one of the things that I like that he's taking. Well, the other thing is that he's so good to his friends, like he really like right. employs yeah. them. But the other thing is that 
he's taking his, I mean, basically his culture and he's putting it up and not everybody's doing that. You know, there's plenty of people that could, but he, he's really, you know, doing it. So, you know, I like, I like, you know, that kind of stuff. All all these Sandler movies lately, these movies, reels of him playing pickup game basketball in New York, like anything he's doing. It's, it's (laughs) (laughs) with Timothy Chalamet. Uh, You can, yeah, it'll just, yeah, he's, he, he, and his stuff is identifiable. Whether you're Jewish or not, even if you grew up in a religious background, you can pick out things in there. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I get that because that's what mm-hmm. your father would say when you want to have this party, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I basically agree with you guys. There's a lot of good directors that I really enjoy the works of. And I don't know if I have like a least favorite one. Like, I'm always curious to see what people do. Um, and people have like a wide range of, of, I guess grades or uh, scores on their on their movies. Um, and give me um, one favorite. I want to hear one of your favorites. I mean, the first person that comes to mind is Spielberg, but I also would also really champion somebody like Spike Jones, or I'd spike some, or I'd champion somebody like um, uh, Spike Lee. <laughs> spike Lee, yeah, but uh, but more like like uh, oh, Sp- like, Spike Lee is another one, Aaron, that I I kind of expected to hear in your yeah, because like, I'm ra- I'm railing these <laughs> off yeah. at random, so yes, but right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know, like we we know of like the good ones, and you know, like even people that aren't as good. Like Aaron and I are big fans of the FP, and I think that Jason Truss is a good director. Like, there's he makes choices. Yeah, he makes choices. <laughs> but as far as like least favorite things go, like I don't know if I necessarily have one where I'm always like, ugh, like this guy again. You know, like there's no, there's no. I mean, if there is a director like that, I don't think that they're actually really working anymore. Anyway, I just don't see those movies. That's, the, that's that the too. But also, I don't know if they'd get like a mainstream contract just to be like. Please make our next biggest hit for uh for Warner Brothers or something. Like, well, they go know. to streaming. Yeah, I mean that like yeah. I I'm not super against this person, but like Mick G is not making theatrical movies anymore. So so that is the person that came to mind at that too. And I just haven't seen a lot of filmography. Like I only I can only name you two movies that he that I, that I know he directed: the Terminator movie and that one like Baldur's Gate, not Baldur's Gate, but you know like the the axe cutter of of Bromahide or whatever. I, now I'm curious what this you're talking about. No, like, like, like I, Jason Statham. That's not him. That's Uwe oh, Bull. Oh, never mind then. Now I'm thinking of somebody Uwe, else then. Uwe Bull, who also gets credit for being yeah, among the that he's a, sort of the stock answer. That... Yeah, he is exactly. It's, it's, which <laughs> yeah. is why I didn't use it. I didn't worry. I didn't um, want to. I didn't want to. He's been beaten up enough. But the uh, the Charlie's yeah. Angels movies and um, oh, from Big G. Yeah, yeah and uh, We Are Marshall, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't that's know if you just a. That's just a. You know. A, a, the standard sports that's nothing really wrong with that sure 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 again i'm yeah. not saying i i dislike it as far as like by itself yeah but just the whole filmography and and as far as like what abe was just saying like directors that clearly aren't making much of an impression at you know on the big screen he's making he's made both his past like three four five movies have been all directed streaming at this point it's like yeah it's, and again, Thank like you. even like uh, when you think about movies that maybe didn't do as well, it sometimes isn't the director's fault either. Like, I'm not trying to stand up for Meg G, but I'm thinking about like Punisher Warzone, where it's like, you know, she made a movie that was very in line with like uh, comic books, like Lexi Alexander, and she's kind of just been like dismissed. But, you know, it sucks sometimes. It's a tough business. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that is a good example. I, I, I would say anyone, I think, lists, her offhand as being like one of the worst directors, but like as far as what you're saying, like the credit that goes to people or the credit yeah. that the way things are received with that movie, yes, didn't get great reviews at the time and yeah. wasn't a box office hit. 
you're laying the hands of the feet. But when you when it's fortunately that movie's been reassessed to a point where it's I'm like glad, yeah. delivers on the assignment as far as it is a gnarly Punisher movie. Yeah. And <laughs> if you read the late her... Ray Stevenson R.I.P. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> and if you read her interviews and you read the the stories, like she just read a bunch of Punisher comic books to do research for this. And it wasn't a project that she necessarily like wanted to do, but it was one of those, like, you know, for me, scratch my back for me kind of things. And she just did the best job she could. And people were just like, this is not what I was expecting. It's like, I don't know. I mean, she, and I, the, the credit sense there. when it comes to like, pre, you know, patting Marvel on the back for assigning like female directors for movies. It's like, Hey, this, she's the, they're not the first, <laughs> like Lexi yeah. Alexander came in and did her job. Right. Yeah. So I'm glad that there's like, you know, it has been a career perspective on the, on that movie, I guess. But yeah, so something like that where like sometimes people will get shade for things that are not not necessarily their fault, um, and they're still a good director. So I don't know. This is a very good question. It's very like you could probably spend an entire oh, there's a, yeah, there's a whole this. whole lot more <laughs> time yeah. that could be spent going into all of this, but uh, right, yeah, it's it, it's nice to hear uh, some answers on that front. Thanks for that, Chris. Yeah. With that said, that's uh, enough feedback. Feedback, 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 and that's gonna do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can buy more of my work, my personal blog, thecodeseek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I write for Legal Entertainment and Why So Blue for movie reviews and Blue Rank Criterion reviews. And I am on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can have front for my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash wolfsmoose. Hashtag, <laughs> who are you talking to? <laughs> it's so abrupt. Marco, but where can people find more of you online? So we're still calling it Twitter? Of course. Mama named Twitter. I'm calling Twitter. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter, Mark underscore Hoban, and then you can read my reviews on my personal blog, fastfilmreviews.com. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron Abe on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and the Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HSWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast.gmail.com. Check out our Facebook, Facebook.com, podcast, or our Twitter, Twitter.com, underscore podcast. And our Instagram, Instagram.com, underscore podcast as well. Uh, once again, iTunes read ratings going to get those. Thank you, Mark. Thank you very much for joining us this week. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, thank you for having me. For sure. Uh, next week's show, we should be talking about expend for bulls. It's coming. <laughs> okay, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long and goodbye. Tell her, hang my voice.